0: The Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only
0: one more. There's that's it. One more. Get around. No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this,
1: this is the Sports Loudmouth. Yay! Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was.
0: You're a never-was. From country to country, state to state, city to city, town to town, you are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. October 25th, a few days away from Halloween, looking forward to it. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show lined up for you. You can call us at 631-672-3108. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the country, including, ladies and gentlemen, The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com com. Speedy, what's up, man?
1: Uh, two things. First of all, uh, on a more sad note, uh, John Jansen, who's been on our show, uh, yes, his I, I, he didn't say if it was his wife, but I'm get, it could be his ex-wife. He said his uh, his kid's mother passed away. Unfortunately, I'm sorry uh, to hear that uh, last week. So my condolences to John and all of his kids. Uh, for that, and on a more positive note, happy anniversary to my parents. 30th oh. anniversary was on Monday. They went to. Are a, they listening uh, right now? I'm not sure, but they were. Happy
0: laying... anniversary to you. <laughs> so, I don't I'm think. Not, I'm not sure if there's a song for
1: that, but uh, yeah, they... there is. I'm singing it. Uh, well, all right. Well, you could uh, you could go that for whatever record deal you have at the, uh, later on. But... I don't know about record deal, but uh, I they... don't
0: know if anybody wants to hear me sing, but. Then again,
1: who knows? But happy anniversary to them. They went away to a very uh, scenic spot in Massachusetts, a cabin area. And uh, mommy and
0: daddy spending some time, quality
1: time together. Yes, indeed. No sons. Nope. No, inter- no, dogs. No, no sign interferences of especially dogs. Yes. Yeah. Well, we they, all know about your dog. They got. Th- <laughs> yes, they got away. Yes, he begs for attention all the time. Thank you for noting. But yes, they got away very nice. It was a very beautiful area from the photos they were sending. So happy anniversary. To happy you. anniversary to the Cloybers.
0: But we have a great show lined up for you at eight thirty. One guest tonight. It's crazy, but one guest tonight. Uh, he's a good one. We will be talking to free agent infielder Devin Marrero. He will be joining us. Uh, he played from 2014 to 2022 with the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, and the Mets. So he will be joining us a little bit later in the show. That is your
1: NL champion at Diamondbacks, by the way.
0: That's right. We will get into that. Uh, Reports say that Joel Embiid is the number one superstar the Knicks want to trade for. Ooh, 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 ooh. What does that mean? I mean, seriously, the whole James Harden thing seems to grow legs, and if it continues to grow legs and the James Harden thing completely falls off the cliff, and what I mean by that, he could be traded, why would Joel Embiid want to stay with Philadelphia? Because they don't have a chance to win a championship. So this story obviously is putting it out there uh, for, you know, Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers that the New York Knicks are interested in Joel Giannis signs a three-year, $186 million extension beginning in 2025. For all the Knicks fans, for all the fans out there that believe that Giannis was going to be a free agent after this year and opt out of his contract, that is never going to happen. So, there you go for all the fans out there. Uh, If they expected Giannis, all the New York Knicks fans or... Anybody that thought they had a chance to get Giannis, that's not going to happen. Uh, Michigan staff member Connor Stallions is caught with leading their sign stealing operations for the last three years. So there are some interesting storyline behind this, but uh, again, we will get into that. Bill Belichick reportedly received a multi-year contract in the offseason, and the Patriots kept it a secret. So, he will still be a patriot moving forward. So for all the fans out there that thought that they're moving on, maybe it's O'Brien's opportunity. Maybe if Josh McDaniels becomes available, there was a chance that he could have landed over there, but that's not happening anymore. Uh Jim Ursay says the NFL should have an expanded replay system. Jim Ursay is out there speaking again. I I don't know why. Finally saying something good. <laughs> but again, uh he 's just one owner. There has to be multiple owners to get involved in this conversation before this happens. So maybe next year, uh, maybe the maybe uh, moving forward, uh, the NFL decides hey let 's try it in the playoffs if it works in the playoffs, then we move forward in the off season for the full season i don 't know, but it's it definite, 's definitely a story that could grow legs moving forward. Dusty Baker announces his retirement following the Astros game seven loss. To the Rangers, Uh, Dusty Baker is one of the best managers of the last fifty years, and he finally wins his championship, his World Series championship. He had a chance uh, to win it again this year. He fell—you know—it fell apart for them. And and obviously, he's an old man. I think he's in his eighties, and he wants to spend some time with his grandchildren and his family. So I understand that the Rangers and the Diamondbacks will meet in the World Series. So we'll get into. Our preview of the World Series, I was right about the Texas Rangers. I was wrong that the Philadelphia Phillies was going there because they're not. But I'm sure Philadelphia has their own thoughts going into the offseason on the chances they had to winning the World Series this year, which a lot of people thought they definitely did. This was one of their better teams we've seen since they won a championship in the mid, uh, the early 2000s. So, Maybe you and Shane Green jinxed them by saying you're going to go know. to a World Series game. Maybe. I mean, did you hear <laughs> what Mad Dog said? Oh yeah. He has to
1: stick to that, though. He he's has not to retire. He's I, not retiring. I know he's not going to, but he's not retiring. But uh, he's not gonna gain a little uh, he's gonna lose a little credibility by making that statement and then saying, oh, I'm just gonna stay on anyway.
0: It's interesting. I I'm very interested to see what happens moving forward with that. But again, there is nothing more to say about that. But Let's get into it, because there's there's so much to get into, and there's a lot. We will get into our, our Week 7, obviously, our thoughts in Week 7 for the NFL, and we're going into Week 8 already. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. The Jets and the Giants this week, that'll be fun. That'll yep. be interesting. Without Brandon Jacobs, because he will never respond to me, but okay. <laughs> I Listen, I understand why Brandon Jacobs doesn't want to respond to you. I, I mean, honestly, he didn't want to pay up. He didn't. He didn't want to pay up. Yep. He lost the bet. And don't worry, one way or another, we will get him to pay up his bet. Maybe it won't be with the Giants and the Jets, but he'll pay up his bet. He lost, and and we will stick it to him when we do get him on the show again. Uh, Ian Rapoport reports that the Patriots gave Bill Belichick a multi-year contract extension before the season started, and the Patriots kept it a secret. NBC Sports Boston reporter Tom Curran says that the deal was still not swayed uh, by Robert Kraft from replacing Belichick if he wants to. Curran says he only expects Belichick's contract to be guaranteed for this season and next. Uh, Rappaport says that the Patriots would only consider a difficult decision to let him go if they struggle again next season. Belichick earned his 300th career win against the Bills in week seven. He is 29 wins from surpassing Don Shuler as the winningest head coach in NFL history. I'm surprised with this story. And it's not like a team to keep this a secret, but again, it is the Patriots. And the Patriots (laughs) like to keep a lot of things secret. I'm happy for Bill Belichick because if you're sitting back and you're wondering if you're a coach... First of all, I stuck up for Bill Belichick a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if anybody listened to my take on it. Bill Belichick won a significant amount of championships. Significant amount for the New England Patriots. And yes, he had Tom Brady as his quarterback. We all know the whole situation. Tom Brady goes to Tampa and he wins another championship. Great. But Bill Belichick had a lot to do with the growth of Tom Brady. He had a lot to do with the growth of this organization. And when you look at Bill Belichick and his dominance as a head coach, how many guys has done in 20 years what Bill Belichick has done? As a matter of fact, I would say probably one. And, and, and no coach has ever won six championships with one team in 20 years. No coach has ever done that. Not in football. Not in the NFL. So the fact that Bill Belichick was the first coach to do that, it says a lot about who he is. I am not a Bill Belichick fan. If anybody knows me on this show, I have thrown Bill Belichick to the wolves many, many times on this show. But it doesn't take away the championships that he's won, it doesn't take the dominance away that he has dominated in the AFC East as long as he has. And to me, he is the only coach that I've seen over the 20 years of coaching and watching football consistently where it doesn't matter what quarterback, what rookie quarterback, what dominant rookie quarterback comes in the league, he dominates against every single one of them. But again, we've heard stories over the last couple of weeks that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick are not getting along. And this has been going on, I've said this, with the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. The Jimmy G thing with, with Tom Brady. When Tom Brady was supposed to be traded at the time that Jimmy G was over there as the backup quarterback. That Bill Belichick told Robert Kraft he believes that Tom Brady's best years are gone from him. And that we could move him and bring Jimmy G in, and he could be the future quarterback of this organization, and we can we can probably win multiple championships with Jimmy G. But obviously, Tom Brady had a connection with Robert Kraft. It's like a father figure to him. And Tom Brady practically told Robert Kraft to tell Bill Belichick to push Jimmy G out of there. It's not going to work. Send him to a 49 Send him wherever you want. I, I believe I have more than more than one more year or two more years left in me to win championships. Now, I don't know the whole story. I I wasn't in the room. I wasn't the fly on the wall. But every single story that was coming out at that particular time is that Bill Belichick wanted to move forward with Jimmy G. He did not want to move forward with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady and him were not getting along as far as what I've heard. Over the last, really, two, three years of Tom Brady's time with the Patriots. Which made it a little weird at the situation when they move Jimmy G to the 49ers. And then they bring in Mac Jones. Obviously, Tom Brady uh, goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady wins a championship. They bring in Mac Jones as their 16th pick. And it hasn't worked out. It so far hasn't worked out. Yes, it worked out this week against Buffalo, and I'm sure a lot of Buffalo fans were very surprised that the Patriots shocked everybody by knocking them off. And the Patriots still could win the division. As crazy as that may seem, the Patriots actually could win the division. Because right now, the Patriots have how many many wins, Speedy? Two. They have two wins. How many wins does the Jets have? They have Three. three. How many wins does the uh, Buffalo Bills Four. have? Four. How many wins does the Miami Dolphins have? Five. How many um, How many games do they have matched up against those teams that are ahead of them in the division? The Patriots are two and zero oh in
1: the division right now. Exactly. And Miami is one and one. I think Buffalo is one and two, and the Jets are one and one.
0: One and one. So if the Patriots continue, continuously, continue winning in the division, and It gets close, and they're only one game behind Miami or one game behind Buffalo or one game behind the Jets in the division for the division lead, and they have more wins in the division, that's the tiebreaker. And the Patriots could actually win the division, as crazy as it may seem. And that, moving forward, you would think Bill Belichick knows about and seen this coming. I sit here today, and I I don't know what's going to happen in the AFCs. I don't. Honestly, I I really don't. But I do know Bill Belichick has a winning record against Miami, a winning record against Buffalo, and a winning record, a huge winning record against the Jets.
1: Yep. And again, you're looking at the process of Belichick still being intact. Now, obviously, the injuries this year, so they haven't looked as good with defense. And they've had flaws with the wide receivers, obviously. But somebody that is thinking that they could just coach Mac Jones and make him a a top-notch quarterback is going to be very hard to do. when Mac Jones has had his own issues this season, too. And that's why all these people making the argument that Belichick only strives because of Brady. Give Belichick Jared Goff or give Belichick Kirk Cousins he's probably still winning right now too oh
0: absolutely Yeah, they're probably the number one team right now in the division I I know the defense hasn't played up to par this year and the running game hasn't been as dominant as it's been the last two years but this team will figure it out. I, it is Bill Belichick, and he is the king of figuring things out in the second half of the season. So if there's anybody that can find a way to win games that they shouldn't win, it's Bill Belichick.
1: Right, and you look at the Patriots, the way they're structured, their offensive line has been an injury-prone team this year. Like you are saying, the Patriots secondary outside of Kyle Duggar and maybe Jack Jones. like Nobody's been healthy consistently all year. And it's just very hard to be able to coach anything like that with a quarterback that is probably a bottom-five quarterback starting quarter Back wise in the league. Now, he we played well this week against the Bills, but I would say that says more about where the Bills' defenses are is with all their injuries right now, so they are going to be a mess, and they're going to have to do a lot at the trade deadline. Speedy,
0: let me ask you a question. Jeff says division wins aren't even as even close to the tiebreaker. Is it
1: not? I, well, I, I, if it's I... two teams, it'll be head-to-head first, but if it's a tie—let's if let's say it's the Patriots and the Bills tie at 10-7 or something like that, then— If that's not the case, if the Patriots and Bills split, then it's division tiebreaker.
0: It is the division
1: tiebreaker. Yeah, It it, really is. That doesn't matter. The division tiebreaker doesn't matter if you're dealing with the wild card. That only matters in the division. The
0: division to win the division. That's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. If the Bills sweep the Patriots for the year, yes, the Bills will get the tiebreaker. He
0: just said that, Jeff. Obviously, it's head-to-head. Yes, I said that. He just said that, but it is... The the main thing that people look at, especially in the division, is how many wins you have in the division. If you're winning the division, you have a very good chance that if you're ten and seven, if you're ten and seven and the other team's ten and seven, and yes, if you have if you have let's say four wins in the division and you've beaten Buffalo once and Buffalo's beaten you once, but you have more wins in the division and Buffalo and you both have back you know you've won and they've
1: won and you have the same record, you win the tiebreaker. Mm The division would also be applicable if it was a three-way tiebreaker, too, where if, say, Miami was a three-way tie at 10-7 and 7 with the Bills and the Patriots, then it would be the division tiebreaker comes into effect there. The division tiebreaker only does not matter for the wild card, and that's where it gets thrown away. But your division ranking still matters first, even. Let's say the Bills and Dolphins were tied with the wild card team, whoever wins the division. The second- and third-place teams would still be determined in the division first, too.
0: You know, it, it's interesting when, when you hear this story because – I didn't think that Bill Belichick would be back this coming year, uh, at the end of this year, if he has the season that we thought he was going to have. And yes, they beat Buffalo, and they they look like they could they could beat the Jets again. I it, it, to me, the Jets are a better team than the Patriots, but the Jets have Zach Wilson. I don't trust Zach Wilson, but it is, they don't play the Patriots. I think till the final, yeah, last week, week of, of the, of the season, season at New England. Yes. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers is back by then. I don't know. I don't think so, but I still don't trust Zach Wilson. I don't trust Zach, Zach Wilson against the Giants this week. I don't. As a matter of fact, I might pick the Giants to beat the Jets
1: this week. Yeah, the Giants defense has played well the last couple of weeks.
0: So I, I can't trust that Zach Wilson is going to put up the numbers and, and keep the Jets uh, you know, up offensively. I, I do believe their defense could, but I don't trust their offense, and I don't even trust their running game against this Giants defense. Right. So – that's the question, but I'm not getting into the Jets. We're not talking about the Jets right now. We're talking about Bill Belichick. What I am going to say about the Bill Belichick story is I don't believe him and Robert Kraft are getting along. I don't think they've been getting along for a while. The fact is, is you
1: can't fire a coach that's won multiple championships. Right. multiple championships. And Robert Kraft I think is different because Robert Kraft is still going to go on to go for the flash too. That's the reason he kept Tom Brady too. Tom Brady was coming off the year where in a, maybe a longer season he might have won MVP in 2016 and 2017 obviously he won MVP and Bill Belichick was thinking differently. He wants to say alright let's go try to trade Tom Brady at the, his highest peak because obviously nobody was going to expect him to play this well until he was 40 and it was really only the 2019 season was last year with the Patriots where he started to fall off a little bit and Bill Belichick's always going to have that kind of forward thinking with everything, and he likes to trade players ahead of schedule, try to get good value back, like Jeff has always said for years. He traded Jamie Collins. Who cares earlier. what Jeff
0: says? Honestly. He,
1: tra- he traded Jamie Collins. Who the hell's Jeff? We've had
0: analysts from the Patriots, uh, from from... You know, from different writers and different companies that have been on the show that said the same thing. We don't care what Jeff says. Who the hell is Jeff?
1: Even so, when you look at the Patriots' trend, though, they trade the players earlier, and they're probably going to think that way if they decide to consider selling at the deadline, too. Now, you're right. Maybe with their win against the Bills, maybe they won't consider that way now, but it's still going to be a hard road to climb, especially with these other talented teams in the AFC, too, to be able to do that. But even so, they trust Belichick in the process enough to give him this level of the contract.
0: I think... Moving forward this season, there's a lot to get into as the second half starts for obviously the Jets and 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 Buffalo will go on their bye week and there are still teams. Miami still needs to go on their bye week. even I think even the Patriots have to go through their bye week. So once their bye week comes, it'll be their second half. The Jets are going into their second half. So now they're playing consistently for the rest of the season. So moving forward I want to see what the Patriots are going to do. I again I don't think this running game is has been as good as it's been over the years, but again that could change when when the games start to get easier and the back to back start to get easier for the Patriots. But it's an interesting story how this came out all of a sudden when everybody was talking about maybe parting ways with Bill Belichick when it doesn't seem like that's going to happen in the offseason. Even if the, Jet, even if the Jets win out the division or the Buffalo Bills win out the division or even Miami wins out the division I, and, and the Patriots don't even make the playoffs for a back-to-back years, which we haven't seen in a very long time. I still believe. Now you have to believe that Bill Belichick will be back next year for at least one more year. Right.
1: And he's going to get a chance, too, now with a different quarterback, too, because it doesn't seem like Mac Jones will be the answer unless he somehow turns it around in the second half of the season. If the Patriots are still two and five and maybe they're on pace to be a five or six win team, they could draft a quarterback in the first round, too, and have him, him try in that system, too, whether it's Penix, Bo Nix, somebody like that. They could try to make that work. And if Belichick still is not doing well with that quarterback, then maybe the heads will start turning.
0: Jim Irsay says that the NFL should have an expanded replay system where all penalty calls are reviewable in the final two minutes of the game. He also adds that the NFL admitting, uh, the referees admitting they did not make the correct calls at the end of the game will never be enough. There was an, an illegal contact and a pass interference called. Uh, on the Colts against the Browns with the pass in- passing interference coming on what looked in the uncatchable ball. With the NFL also partnering with the gambling companies now, they can face congressional actions if they uh, cross the line with bad calls at the end of the games. NFL Network's Tom P- Palacero uh, says that the officials are prohibited to commit publicly on discussions ...of calls at the end of the games, which would make Ursay's actions subjectively uh, and, and and obviously fine. Uh, other sports, such as the NBA and the MLB, have reports that criticize referees and umpires for bad calls, but the NFL doesn't. We've been complaining about the referees all season long, especially with, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. They seem to get every single call. We remember when they played the Jets a couple of weeks ago, the final... Really, the last final plays of the game, especially the Sauce Garner play, uh, a lot of people were taking shots all over social media at the referees and at the NFL that they didn't do anything about that. Then the week after, I think against Minnesota, Kansas City played, and at the end of the game, the Kansas City Chiefs got another call, which cost Minnesota winning the game and Kansas City losing another game that could have been back-to-back weeks. So I do believe the NFL has favorites. I do. And anybody that doesn't believe that is an idiot. I, I would say that. Because if you sit back and you wonder where the NFL is going, especially with the referees, the referees, are, and we've had ex-NFL players come on the show and they stick up for the referees. They really do. They always come out and they speak highly of the referees, even though there's a little weed here and there. But obviously, Jim Ursay coming out and saying his his piece on this, especially with two minutes left of the game, which could be considered a win or a loss for any of these teams that we, we've spoken about. And throughout this season, they've been a lot of close games at the end uh, you know, with the two minutes left of the game, there was a, the, uh, there was there either a touchdown away from winning or six points away or a field goal kick away from winning a game. And the referees really control the opportunities for certain teams to come out and maybe pull off a win because of a penalty. And again, the NFL tried to do this with the whole, um, if you guys remember, the Drew Brees, you know, the the, the Drew Brees Saints and and the Rams. I, I think it was the Rams and the Saints in the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. And the play call, uh, well, the the play that should have been called, which wasn't called, which sent the Rams to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And then the Patriots won their their other Super Bowl. But that's a whole other story. Nevertheless, they tried to change the rules the next year. And then they changed it back because nobody liked the rules. And the NFL has been trying to move forward with all these different rules that they keep adding and stuff like that. And all the leagues, uh, the NHL has tried to add rules, the NBA, and then obviously MLB, changing the bases, changing the pitch clock, uh, shifting, everything. They're trying to make the game better. But is it making the game better? Now I do believe this will help certain football games. It will, and I think that in what we have seen this year, especially some of the calls and some of the the passing interference or or uh, nevertheless hitting the quarterback and, and all that other stuff happening at the end of the game, which cost fifteen yards and and cost the team a chance to win a game. It this could change that, but again. The NFL has to look into it. The NFL and the owners need to agree to this before this moves forward. I think the NFL should look at this, and this could work moving forward for the NFL.
1: Yeah, the smartest thing Jim Irsay has ever said in his life is very true because two minutes you can't challenge in the fourth quarter. It automatically goes to booth review, and we've seen so many other things get challenged and get reviewed in that sense too with catches on the sideline, with fumbles, et cetera, and you're looking at a – borderline type thing in the case of certain calls, but also the obvious ones that should be overturned. Like you were saying with the Saints and the Rams, there was, it was blatantly obvious. And in the Browns Colts game, that was blatantly, obviously uncatchable. It was almost in the stands, that ball. So I could see the backlash for the ones that are obvious calls. I think a lot of people, why they didn't like the pass interferences, because they only challenged the close ones and the ruling on the field was going to stands. I didn't really have a problem with it, but I could see why the NFL did. But Like you were saying with the betting, like if they're going to get congressional action involved in the betting, that's going to grow. That's going to diminish them if the betting companies say no and they part ways with the NFL. That's going to lose a lot of value because the NFL is striving right now with betting. Obviously, they're still suspending players, but they're striving with FanDuel and DraftKings and all these other same day parlays. That's really going to grow their game. Everything is
0: going to thrive when it comes to betting. Because there's money, kids are betting now. If it becomes legalized throughout the world, throughout the country, and it's being—I think it's legalized in what tw- ten states
1: or twelve states? Yeah, I think it's a lot more now. I oh,
0: I, I don't even know. I, I don't really—I be- don't really bet, but there are people out there that play DraftKings and FanDuel, and even doing it legally. As we all know, somebody that listens to the show doesn't.
1: Yeah, but uh, unfortunately for Chaz, it's still not legal in California. <laughs> Again. It's it's become such a big thing
0: when it comes to, you know, watching sports. Fantasy sports is all betting. Even though the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, none of those organizations believe that had anything to do with betting. If you look at fantasy sports, people bet on fantasy sports. So you're picking players, you're building your teams, and then moving forward. And by the way, DraftKings has had uh, fantasy, and so has FanDuel. So people play day-by-day uh, day, day fantasy Basketball, fantasy, football, and then week by week. So it's been going on a long, long time. But now betting is becoming more legalized, especially here in New York, where it's bringing in millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year. And now it eventually will turn from 50 states and and all that other stuff, and it's going to bring in more money for these leagues and for all these new CBA CBA, uh, numbers that they could bring in and more money bringing in for these leagues. So I I think Jim Irsay coming out and speaking up, uh, about the replay system is very interesting because I didn't think he was going to be the first person to speak. I thought it maybe uh, Jerry Jones would speak or uh, one of the more popular or hated guys. I mean, Jim Irsay is loved by the Indianapolis Colts fans, and he is a guy that has had, you know, his his name has been all over the tabloids over the years, as, as we all know. But nevertheless, he doesn't usually speak out unless <laughs> there's controversy. And now... He brings this out. People are agreeing with him. It's not controversial. But is the NFL going to listen to it? Are the other owners going to listen to this where they can vote and this can move forward?
1: Right. And there's obviously a sense of these progression with technology too, where you see the NHL and the MLB both have universal replay centers to challenge calls too. the umpires in baseball call the in Chelsea, the NHL umpires call or referees call in Toronto. The NFL can have something like that. They have all the money in the world. They can have something like that to have it be universal and neutral referee, a veteran referee that maybe doesn't want to do on field stuff anymore to be able to review those calls too. And, Again, I don't mind the challenges either that they took away that Sean Payton wanted either. If you want to—you have two challenges in a game. If you want to use one of them for a penalty, you should be able to. Like, it makes no sense. I know that you're trying to stall the game, but still, it's a progression in the right direction, so you don't have these kinds of things costing to you.
0: You should be able to use it at any time. It doesn't matter. You you should be able to call a timeout and challenge any play, any play in the game. Passing interference, hitting the quarterback, you should be able to challenge it. Because to me— that would have helped a lot of these calls, especially the Jets against the Kansas City Chiefs. If you could challenge that uh, for, with Sauce Gardner, maybe the Jets win the challenge and they win the game. Right, And that could change everything. Kansas City has won at least three games this year. Three games this year because of referees' calls in the fourth quarter. It's been going on all season long. And I think the referees have a lot to do with it. That doesn't mean that it's only the referees' fault. It's the coaches' fault, as we have seen. There have been absolutely terrible calls by some of these coaches, <laughs> especially Robert Sala. I'd be, I'd be the first person to tell you, as a Jet fan, some of the, the, the timeouts that Robert Sala uh, picked out at the weird times and throwing the red flag for no damn reason when everybody knows the ball hit the ground. So there are things that we have seen coaches do, and, and you, you would question why they did it. But again... That That's what makes the game more interesting. And I think the challenges should be added to the game. I really do. I don't know why they took it away. Mm-hmm. It was working out. I thought it, it did work, but... A lot of the coaches in the league, when
1: it was going on, didn't like it because you could say you can challenge anything you want, right? And again, there's no, there's no, you have not a reason to add a challenge either. To you don't have to say, all right, now you get four challenges because we're allowing to challenge referees. No, two challenges in a game I think is fair, and then if you win both of them, you get a third challenge. Like you have to earn it the right way. If it's a call that's that egregious, like the Browns Colts game, like that should be overturned within seconds. Like you could, you should be able to challenge that. The illegal contact one that was a little borderline, so I could see why the Browns got the benefit of the doubt there, but. You're looking at a, a obviously egregious call. That should be overturned within seconds. And coaches have tried to manipulate that for years, too, because you can't challenge them in the final two minutes. But still, they should be reviewed right away. ESPN reports
0: that Michigan's signed stealing operations was led by staff Member Connor Stallions, a low level staff member with a military background. Stallions reportedly led an elaborate uh, operations of an in person scouting system in order to decode opponents' play signals. On his LinkedIn page, That is now deleted. Stallions admitted in May of 2022 to using Marine Corps' philosophies and tactics to identify the opponent's most likely course of action and most dangerous course of action. Stallions worked as a volunteer assistant with Michigan since 2015, the first year Jim Harbaugh coach for them. ESPN reports that Stallions purchased tickets for 30 games for 11 different schools throughout the last three years. Michigan has made the college football playoff each of the last two years after never making it for the first six years of Harbaugh's coaching tenure. So, I don't know what is true and what is not. But when Stallion has come out and said it and then erased it, on LinkedIn, it says a lot about who he is and what Jim Harbaugh has been doing over the last couple of years. And I don't know if other teams are doing it. We all know the Patriots did it (laughs) with Spygate and Roger Goodell got rid of tapes and and nobody really got a chance to see it but the Patriots, Robert Kraft, and Roger Goodell. And a lot of the owners at the time wanted to see the tapes because they wanted to see how bad they were. But Roger Goodell, for some reason, got rid of the tapes, and washed away with them, burned them, or whatever the hell he said what he did with them. I don't know if there's tapes on this. I, I don't know. And I don't know anything about Stallions. I don't know his background. I understand he was, you know, he was a soldier, whatever, he was a Marine, whatever. Whatever he was. And, and he used those philosophies and tactics to steal signs. Who cares? Honestly? And I don't know if that's going to change the fact that over the last two years, the Michigan Wolverines have made the playoffs because of it. What I do know is Jim Harbaugh has been caught not once, but twice for cheating in the last two years. Two years. And last year, with, with everything that was going on, and Michigan going to the playoff again, and then losing, and then trying at the end, in the offseason, trying to find a way to make excuses for everything that happened during the season, only speaks... Volume about who Jim Harbaugh is and then Jim Harbaugh interviewing for jobs over the last two years in the NFL, which I believe no matter what happens with this story, which they're probably going to be sanctioned and Michigan's probably not going to be able to play in a championship title game for the next five years. If this is true, which means what is Jim
1: Harbaugh going to do after signing an extension last year? And again, that's what should happen, too, because they used resources way out of their control, too. If if this guy, Stallions, is using military technology, which is not available to civilians, like you can't just go out there and buy weapons and spy tactics that these military corps have, marine corps have, etc., and use it for public benefit. That is illegal for anybody, not just football teams, etc. And Jim Harbaugh, now striving on that the last two years, in a college football playoff that's relatively close, too, it's not like Michigan got in super easily. And that kind of thing maybe shows a little bit of shadiness because they always were losing the big games, whether it was Penn State or Ohio State. I don't think
0: that has anything to do with it. I don't think steal, sign-stealing had anything to do with their their dominance in their division or them going into the playoffs. I don't really think it does. Now, I, I understand maybe certain signs at the end of the game in the, in the, in the fourth quarters might have helped them in some kind of way. But throughout the game, I don't think they're stealing signs throughout the game. I mean, it's going to be very, very hard on every single play to steal signs.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's happening for every game. I'm not saying it's going to have every impact because Michigan will still blow teams out, too. They blew out Ohio State in both meetings in the last two years, too. I'm not saying that them stealing signs was the only reason they won those games by 15 to 20 points. But still, certain instances, they definitely have to be a little suspicious of when it comes to Michigan really struggling. I question
0: right now what Michigan is going to do in the offseason. Because if Jim Harbaugh gets it, because of everything that's happened in the last two years and this team gets sanctioned, Jim Harbaugh is not going to stay in Michigan because I don't think he wanted the Denver job. I know he interviewed for the Denver job in the offseason. Sean Payton got the job because the fact that Jim Harbaugh didn't want it. And I don't believe that the Denver Broncos wanted to give up their only first round draft pick uh this past year. I I don't. And they got that from Miami. And and they, they traded away those their their other two first round draft picks for Russell Wilson, which hasn't worked. Jim Harbaugh is not going to stay there. So what happens in the offseason? And this is what's happened before. We've seen this before. Pete Carroll did the same thing to USC. He knew that the, the team was going to be sanctioned for all the things that he did over the years. So what did he do? He fleed. He left USC and he went to Seattle. He won a championship. He's been a successful NFL coach for after his third time. I know he, he was coaching the Patriots. He coached the Jets for a little bit. And then he went to college ball. It never worked out. Uh, in the time that he had as a head coach. He he went to play, you know, he went and coached in college for a couple of years, won a couple of national championships with USC, with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner, and then he goes back to the NFL, and then he becomes a good coach or a dominant coach over the last year, and the oldest coach right now in the NFL. So I don't know what the NCAA is going to do to Michigan but this again is the second time Jim Harbaugh and his staff has been caught
1: and again, you also look at the operations of cheating we've seen in other leagues. We talked about it all the time with the Astros using the buzzers, using the trash cans, using all the cameras, etc. The Patriots using the cameras to cheat in the videotapes. This is military technology. That's even far more elaborate than everything else. And you're right. Jim Harbaugh has all this money. He definitely could be funding that kind of thing, too. And it looks like at this point, he might even just play out uh, not even half of his contract at this point. And I do think he'll get another NFL job. It'll probably be a team like the Raiders, the flashy team. That I don't is. think
0: he's going to the Raiders. I, I don't. I, I know the Raiders would definitely bring him in if Josh McDaniels gets fired and Josh McDaniels was a flashy, flashy name and it didn't work. It didn't work. So why bring in Jim Harbaugh? Why are you going to bring in another flashy name that might not work there? I think Jim is going to interview for quite a few jobs that become available in the off season. He is going to go to the best job that has the best chance to get a young quarterback because he's been he's been in college ball for the last couple of years and he can make his pick
1: on who he wants to be his quarterback moving forward. Maybe his quarterback right there. Yeah, he's draft eligible this year too. A lot of people think he's a first round pick. So JJ McCarthy, I'm not as high on him for the NFL, but that definitely makes sense.
0: I, I mean, so I don't know where Jim Harbaugh is what he's going to plan to do in the offseason. But I'm going to tell you, this team is going to be sanctioned. They're going to be sanctioned for this, especially that Stallions has come out and said it and then erased it on LinkedIn. Knowing that, he's only thrown the team under the bus. He's thrown Jim Harbaugh under the bus, which means by the end of this season... Even if, let's say Michigan wins the national championship, let's Mm -hmm. say they they get in and they win the national championship, it could be
1: taken away from them. Oh, yeah. and As it it should be if if they catch even more, too. Because who says Stallions was the only one, either? We know about these athletic departments. They can go deep with all these scandals, too, to cover everything up, too. Look at what's happened with Michigan State the last couple years with the gymnastics coach and Nassar and now recently with Mel Tucker with his domestic violence issues, as well.
0: It's a very interesting
1: story. and. I,
0: I believe by the end of the season, this will grow legs. I don't think Michigan's winning the national championship. I, I, no, I still I think that. it's Georgia. I mean, they've been the dominant force, and, and they have the easiest schedule. And uh, so far, what we've seen, and by the way, congratulations to Ohio, Ohio State. Everybody asked me, one of my friends came to me and asked me, who do you have, Penn State or Ohio State, this week and I said Ohio State. I know everybody had Penn State. I did, yeah. But I had Ohio State. And one of the main reasons why is because I still think Ohio State is a superpower right now in college ball. They they don't have a superpower quarterback, but when do they do? I mean, Justin Fields was a good quarterback, and, and obviously over the last couple of years, C.J. Stroud, uh, who looks like he's going to be a pretty good NFL quarterback— I don't know. And it has, it really has everything to do with the defense, the offense, and the running games. And I think... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but listen, their quarterback isn't the greatest quarterback, but they do have Marvin right. uh, Harrison Jr. And, and Marvin Harrison Jr. might not be the first wide receiver drafted in this class. So, I know everybody keeps thinking that's, that, that to be true. The LSU... Uh, Wide receiver's pretty damn good, too. Right, and even Abuka,
1: their second guy on their own team, too, has been very good for the last three well, years, Well, he's not too.
0: going to be drafted no, over Marvin but Harris. It just Chico. shows how
1: good they are with wide receivers. Yes,
0: and, and Ohio State has been. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you want to, Olave? We could go up McCormen, and down. Yeah. yeah, every every year they have somebody coming out Going into the NFL, that is a good a good wide receiver. So we'll see. I, I, uh, Smith Jigba, uh, he was uh, now he was drafted by Seattle. He finally had his best game last week, but maybe because DK Metcalf wasn't in the lineup. So uh, who knows what happens? Uh, maybe they decide to move uh, move past Tyler Lockett in the off season yeah. and, and move Smith Jigba in, into that spot. So I, I what I saw this week, and I actually picked him up in one of my league. You know, Jigba actually played very very well. So. Uh, it's it's interesting. I do believe Ohio State is is the best program when it comes to finding wide receivers. No question that they are. All right. So let's go to the Giannis story because it seems like a it is a story that I, I was very shocked about. I was I was doing a podcast on Monday with um, Lyle uh Gillian, who shout out to Lyle. And I brought up Giannis and I did not know that Giannis had an, got an extension by Milwaukee, and then he said, "Well, Giannis just signed an extension today." And then reading the story after the show, it, it's a very, it, it's a very lucrative contract for three years. As a matter of fact, it's the biggest contract beside besides his partner over there, Damian Lillard. Yeah. Damian Lillard was making sixty million a year for a two year deal with the Portland Trailblazers. He's he made last year, I think it was like seventy five million. He's making less this year, but it was. It was 120 for two years. And it was the biggest contract in NBA history. This contract for three years is definitely the biggest contract in a three-year skid. Oh, yeah. In the NBA, in NBA history. Woj reports that Giannis signed a three-year, $186 million contract extension with the Bucks. The contract will begin in 2025 season. Giannis will make 45.6 million this year and 48.7 million next year. And had a chance to opt out after that. Giannis also told reporters that he signed the extension without knowing the exact number, numbers of the contract, saying that he just wanted to be a Milwaukee Buck. The Bucks recently traded for Damian Lillard, who is on his final year of his contract, making $45.6 million this season, and has a player option for the season worth 48.8 million. Lillard told Fox Sports that his situation with the Bucks the best basketball situation for me. Lillard Averaged 32.2 points per game, 7.3 assists per game, and 4.8 rebounds per game last season. Giannis averaged 31.1 points per game, 11.8 rebounds per game, and 5.7 assists per game last season. Here's the thing. I don't think Giannis cared if Damian Lillard came back next year. Because, to me, he wasn't happy that Drew Holiday was traded for him. I do believe he knows that Damian Lillard is a better offensive option than Drew Holiday. He's not a better defensive option, but he's a better offensive option. And to me, if you put them together, who's a better player? You probably say Damian Lillard, but he's also the older player. Not by much, but he is the older player. When you look at both players and you try to compare them, I think Drew Holiday going to Boston makes sense. I, I, I did not believe Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee made sense. You're adding another offensive option. You're taking the ball out of your best player's hands, which makes no sense. Everybody was pitching the ball to Giannis. Is Damian Lillard going to do that after all these years being the number one option in Portland, even with C.J. McCullen there and the team that they've had over the years? It doesn't make sense. The reason why Milwaukee made a move like that is because they were reaching. And they were trying to tell Giannis, we're going to give you the best option and the best opportunity to win a title this year. Win, lose, or draw. Now you look at it, and you look at Damian Lillard going into the season. You look at their bench. They don't have much of a bench. They traded away a lot of pieces. And are they a better team than they were last year? It really doesn't matter because Giannis was the guy. You wanted to pull Giannis in to sign that extension. You don't have to worry about that anymore because he signed the extension. So Damian Lillard playing this year, if Damian Lillard doesn't go to the finals and win a championship this year, where do you think he's going? He's going to the Miami Heat. As we heard Miami bitching and moaning when this happened because Pat Riley said, oh, I thought we gave a better deal. Meanwhile, they were only offering Tyler Hero.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gave a better deal. You always try to fleece teams. Nice try.
0: And then Jimmy Jimmy Butler went out there talking to the press saying that the NBA should investigate the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Yeah, because tampering never happened before with players behind the scenes.
0: Tampering never happened with Pat Riley, huh? With LeBron James and, I don't know, Chris Bosh with Dwayne Wade? That wasn't tampered? Come on, guys. Now, the NBA's always been a player's league. We all know that. The players run the league. And Damian Lillard just wanted to get the hell out of Portland because he knew he had no chance of winning there. But Portland made a move bringing in Scoot Henderson in the draft to help Damian Lillard out. That's why they brought Scoot in, because they thought he would be the best fit to play with Damian Lillard for the next few years if Damian stays there. Damian decides to flee. He told after the draft, he told the Portland Trail Blazers that he wants out. After he came out, Last year, or even two years ago, when he was playing for Team
1: USA, saying that he will never do that. He wants to be a Portland Trailblazer for life. And again, he's had the loyalty of that you don't see a lot of these players in his generation, of the NBA, have, which is a good thing. But still, like, yeah, the timing of that was very weird, too. And I agree with you. If, if Damian Lillard and Giannis don't play well together, he's definitely leaving after this season. So that made Giannis' extension doing it now. Very imperative, because three years, 186, is all the money they can get. The contract starts in 2025, and it gets away from anything that if Damian Lillard and Giannis don't get along, that both of them force their way out, or both of them make everything uncomfortable for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee moves on from Dame, they'll probably just go trade for another max contract like that.
0: Well, they'll have room for it if yeah, they decide, or Damian Lillard decides to go to, Mil- uh, to Miami or wherever he decides to go next season because he's a restricted free agent, he could go wherever he wants. I still believe that they can bring in another guy or trade. I don't know if they're going to be able to trade for another guy because they traded away their their pieces that they could have traded for next year for a superstar player. So that's not going to happen. But they could bring in a free agent if somebody becomes available and wants to play with Giannis. But the whole point of bringing Damian Lillard in here was to get – Giannis to sign the extension, and Giannis was going to sign the extension no matter what, which a lot of people thought was not going to happen until the end of the season, so I was very surprised with this story when it happened, because he had a lot of options. He wanted to play in a big market. If Milwaukee wasn't going to work, maybe he goes to the Knicks, maybe he goes to LA, maybe he goes to Miami, maybe he goes to another big market where, and it doesn't really matter anymore because where, what market you play for, because there's still endorsements, there's still money to be made, but again, a lot of these players want to go into the play for the biggest stage and and play for one of these big organizations to help them win a championship. And that's something that makes them sacred. As we all know, when, when, when a championship is never, or hasn't been won for teams in such a long time, like the Knicks since the seventies and you go over there and you become the savior, like, like Aaron Rodgers went to the jets. They haven't won a championship in 53 years. If he wins a championship, they build a statue of you. Mm -hmm. So That's why a lot of these players in the primes of their careers or the tail end of their career, they want to go to that team where they become a god. And Giannis maybe was thinking about that, but – obviously had no thoughts of doing it.
1: Right. And you also look at this generation of NBA players. We were talking about it last week, the way the players have forced their way out and demanded trains with James Harden and Jimmy Butler and all these guys we've talked about in the past too. And it's really that generation, this younger generation of these next wave of NBA superstars, they're signing with their teams right away. Nikola Jokic did that last year. The next year they won a championship. Giannis did it two years ago, winning a championship in 2021 after signing a big deal. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, etc. cetera. All these guys, signed early and that is a big key to their loyalty to like you're saying they are going to get the marketing anyway they're going to get the training anyway these other things in new york and la they're going to they can go visit there in off season and stuff like that they'll get those endorsements everywhere else and teams realize that now and stars realize that now just sign these guys right away don't make everything so dramatic and you'll be able to get your wish
0: NBA players are all about dramaticness, okay? They're all dramatic, every single one of them. They complain, they cry, they they scratch, they scream, they bite your <laughs> ear off. As we see LeBron James do it every single game to the referees. And so does Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Julius Randle and every single NBA player that is a superstar or star player in this league. They want to get every single call. And the same thing when it comes to money. These, these are guaranteed contracts. These are not football contracts. If you're getting a three-year extension worth about. $186 million. That's guaranteed money. Win, lose, or draw. If you play or you don't play, you're getting that money. And and Giannis signing that extension only gives Milwaukee the option in the offseason if they lose Damian Lillard to bring in another star to play with him. So if you're a Milwaukee Buck fan, uh, you should be very happy with this. I do not believe Giannis had any thoughts on... On on the reason why he signed this extension because Damian Lillard is there. I think he had plans to doing this. I think he just wanted to wait and see what Milwaukee was going to do in the off season before he decided to 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 give the the okay to extend this. And by the way, he didn't even know he was getting $186 yeah, million. Dollars. That
1: was crazy.
0: He he just said, I, I was, w- I'm willing to sign the three year extension. And then they sell him, Well, we're going to give you 186 million. So I, I mean, why are you going to cry about that? I mean, Giannis came from nothing. This guy in the last, I don't know, the last Twelve years in the NBA, eleven years in the NBA. He's made over three three hundred and fifty million dollars.
1: Yeah, what we were you saying? He wasn't. He was going to stay in Greece if he didn't get drafted by yes. uh, top twelve or something like that.
0: Well, the, if you watch the story on Disney and they made a movie, or whatever it was, a series. It wasn't a series. It was a movie. It was one. It was one episode. So it was a movie. Um, they if he wasn't drafted. In the top 16, he would have to go back to Greece. And he would have to play in Greece. That he had to be drafted in the top 16 to to even be thought of making an NBA team. Well, he was drafted, what? 16. To the Milwaukee Bucks. And Milwaukee took a chance on him. And boy, oh boy... They hit a home run on it. They won a championship. They almost won another championship with him and could have won multiple championships with him. And now they still have him. He'll probably finish his career over there in Milwaukee because three years from now, he'll be, what, 34 years old? Right. 35? He'll be at the tail end. He's a big man. How many years does he have left? So I think Giannis's plan was to play for one team and one organization, the same organization that drafted him, and the organization that took his family in and took care of his family when they had nothing. So... I'm happy for Giannis. I I'm happy that he stuck with one team. Damian Lillard said he was going to do that. It didn't work out, and now Damian is going to play. By the way, the in the All Star game last year when LeBron was against Giannis and they were picking their teams, who did who did Giannis pick? Number one, Damian Lillard. Uh-huh. So, uh, and that's that. That's the difference right now. But again, we'll see what happens moving forward with Damian Lillard and Giannis you have anything to say on that? Yeah, I
1: was going to say, you look at a case of Damian Lillard being the only one, really, of that generation, too, that actually stayed with his team for a while, too. Like, even LeBron, is a, yeah, he stays with his team for four years, then he'll flee, even with the Heat. Like, it was four years and he was gone, too. Kevin Durant was there with the Thunder for a while, but when he, once he started going away from the Thunder, he's been on four different teams since then, too. Damian Lillard is the one I think that deserves an exception. But hopefully Giannis can start keep this trend going, too, with these younger superstars getting these contracts right away, too, and not forcing the drama with the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: The Philadelphia Inquirer, Keith Pompey, reports that Leon Rose has made Joel Embiid his number one priority for a trade. The Knicks would reportedly trade Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Mitchell Robinson and two or three first-round picks. Reports say Joel Embiid says he is unsure if he thinks of the 76ers as a title contender amidst the trade rumors of James Harden. Hoops Hype also reports that the Miami Heat have expressed interest in Embiid. Embiid has three years and $154 million left on his contract. Embiid won an MVP last season, averaging 33.1 points per game, 10.2 rebounds per game, and 4.2 assists per game. Of course Miami's in the conversation. Miami's in the conversation for whatever the Knicks are in the conversation for, because you know Pat Riley wants to screw the Knicks. He's been doing it for years, and every time he goes after or a player that the Knicks are interested in, he gets them. So I, I, I think this is a different time because I think Leon Rose knows what he's doing and how he is going to drive these players to want to come to New York and play with some of these guys. The problem is it's too much. If you're going to give up Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, I don't give a crap, Mitchell Robinson, I can understand why you're going to put him in a trade, in two, two or three first-round draft picks, you're practically giving away your, your starting lineup. You're giving away three of your top five guys in your starting lineup. It doesn't make sense. Yes, Joel Embiid is a great player. Yes, he was the MVP of the year uh, last year. And I understand. By the way, he was crying that if he didn't win the MVP last year, as, as everybody remembers. So, well-deserved. If he wants to cry more, he can cry. If he wants to cry that he wants to be a Nick, I won't cry about it. But I will say this, if I'm the Knicks, I'm not offering my whole team and trading away all these pieces for one player who, by the way, has been injury prone his whole life. He's had knee problems, he's had ankle problems, and he's a big man who just hit the age of 30. And he still has three years left on a big contract, which, by the way, you have to pay. So, I sit here, if, I, if I'm if i the Knicks GM, I have to sit back and and... And, I'm, and Leon Rose is not even the GM. He's the president. And if I'm sitting back and I'm wondering, my team is one player away. If you trade Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett you, and, and, and Mitchell Robinson,
1: you could be two players away. Mm-hmm. There's only one team player I would trade that kind of that much for, and that's Luka Doncic. Because Luka Doncic is at least young, he's great in the playoffs, and he's durable. Joel Embiid is streaky in the playoffs. Yeah, he won an MVP. He's been great the last four years. And actually been healthy there the last four years. But he's still very injury prone too. And has disappeared later in series a lot too. And that's the one thing that worries me. A lot of these other players leave Philadelphia too. So there's the whole question of chemistry. How good of a teammate is Embiid really? Obviously Harden's not a great teammate anyway, no matter where he goes. But then you you had Ben Simmons. You had all these issues with a lot of these other veteran players too. And that's the thing I question with somebody like Embiid. Which is why I was out on Embiid in the first rumor. In June, when it was first brought up. You know what's
0: so funny? Everybody keeps talking about Embiid and Carl anthony Towns. And I asked Josh Silverberg, I said, who would you go with if you had a chance to get one or the other? And he said he would go with Embiid. And I he wouldn't go with any of them, but if he had a chance right. to go with one or the other, he'd go with Embiid. You won't have to give up as much for Carl anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns, you're not going to have to give up Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, Mitchell Robinson, and two or three first-round draft picks. As as good as Carl Anthony Towns is, he is not an MVP candidate, and he didn't average 33.1 points per game last year. He averaged, I think, was 23 or 24. So he's a great player, and he wants to play in New York. He, he grew up a Nick fan. He grew up in New Jersey. I understand the whole qualifications of who he is as a player and what he can do. I, I think that if I was running the New York Knicks, i put all my eggs into a Carl Anthony Towns. And I'll tell you why. Carl Anthony Towns, you probably would only have to give up Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and maybe a first. Or you could trade Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and a first- For Carl Anthony Towns, you take on that contract, you get rid of Julius Randle's contract for one more year because he has one more year left on the contract. RJ Barrett just signed a four year extension worth about a hundred and some million dollars. You get rid of that contract. And Mitchell Robinson just signed a four year, $60 million contract. So all that equals Carl Anthony Towns' extension, which is added on after next year. I think it's four years. So which worth about almost 170 or 180 million. So if you add it all together, it's almost not equal, but uh, obviously, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves would have to add a player in that trade uh, to make it work, but you wouldn't have to give up this much for him. So I understand that a lot of Nick fans looking at Joel Embiid. That makes sense. Oh, I want Joel Embiid. He's the he's the MVP of the league. We have seen New York teams bring in MVP NVP players in the past, including the New York Yankees. And I'm I'm not taking shots at Giancarlo Stanton, but he was the MVP from from the Marlins when he came to the New York Yankees and even though he did okay he didn't have that season that he had he hasn't had a season like that since then so that says a lot about what teams think of certain players now again going back to the fact that the Knicks are looking for that next superstar i i do believe no matter what happens they're going to get donovan mitchell no matter what happens one way or another this year next year or the year after donovan mitchell will be a nick he wants to be a nick all off season, he's here in New York. He's from this area. Grew up a Nick fan. His father is a diehard Nick fan. He wants to play here. He's good friends with Jalen Brunson. It makes a lot of sense. He might ask to be traded at the trade deadline this year if the Cavaliers don't have the season that the 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 second year over there after losing against the Knicks in the first round. I don't know, but what I do know is if you bring in Carl Anthony Towns and Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Brunson and you give up a significant amount of pieces. Is that roster as good as the Boston Celtics? Is that roster as good as the Milwaukee Bucks or the Miami Heat? I think they're better than Miami. Are they better than Milwaukee with Damian Lillard? Uh, Probably with the depth that the Knicks have on the bench, maybe, by very little. And no way they're better than Boston. So... I, to make these moves, is it a smart move by the New York Knicks? And the Knicks have to be very smart and strategic with this because over the years, they they put all their eggs in in somebody's basket, A.K. Carmelo Anthony, and Amari Stoudemire bringing him here and giving him $100 million. He had one good season. You bring Carmelo in, he drew Carmelo, and it never worked. They had one good season with 54 wins, and they lose against Indianapolis where, hey, if they matched up against Miami in the conference finals – they they were three and four that year against Miami. Maybe they give Miami more of a challenge than Indiana did. So I, I just there's so many things that you have to look at if you're if you're a Nick fan. And again, I, I just don't know. Bringing up Carl Anthony Towns' name or Joel Embiid makes a lot of sense. I think if Devin Booker becomes available, I would put all my eggs in Devin Booker's basket. Yeah, because. He's a wing def- He's a wing guy, he's a wing shooter, something that the Knicks have been horrible at over the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, the
1: Knicks were the worst three-point shooter in the NBA, shooting team in the NBA last year. Yeah, and they were one of the worst in the playoffs, too, when it comes to both percentage and volume-wise. And you need that kind of thing to be able to win a championship. I'm not saying you have to build your team like the Golden State Warriors, but at least have some guys that, wing guys that could shoot threes. And that's why, when you look at this trade package for Joel Embiid, yes, he's a good three-point shooter, but... It also seems like Daryl Morey's last-ditch effort to try to get some kind of value when he knows he's not getting anything for James Harden. And the Knicks cannot be the team to fall into that kind of trap when you have all these assets. You have a lot of assets. Besides OKC, they have the second-most assets, and they could use that for anybody.
0: And that's that's the thing. And here's the thing. We're going into the NBA season now, and we're trying to figure out Who's our winners and who's our losers this year? And I have that tournament in December, which yeah. absolutely makes no sense. It's meaningless. Uh, the Knicks are playing December 4th and December 5th or something. I, the schedule came out the other day about it. And I don't like it because if one of our players gets hurt, if the, Knicks, if the Knicks lose a player in that tournament, the Knicks are screwed. And, and I, I would say that about a lot of these teams. The Boston Celtics. Right. If they're in the tournament and they play in the tournament, you, you're putting your team at risk. You're playing more games. What are you getting for it if you win this tournament? Mm-hmm. What do you get for it? Do you get extra wins? Yeah, I think uh, it's just money. Money? Do any of these players need to make that kind of money? Right. Seriously. They're making millions of dollars. And I, I know what you're going to say. Hey, some of the bench players aren't making that money. An average bench player in the NBA is making over a million dollars. And they're not even playing. Okay. These rookies are making a ton of money. So what does it matter if they win in this tournament? I think
1: it's a stupid move by the NBA. I really do. Yeah. It's only really beneficial for those younger teams that know they're going to be really bad. But even then, you still have some surprises. Like, you, a, a young team like OKC, they could be a, a top 16 in the Western Conference this year. The Western Conference is very top-heavy. Mm-hmm. and 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 with the...
0: The Eastern Conference, there's a lot of questions with the Eastern Conference. Atlanta could be very good this year. They have a bunch of good young players uh, playing together this last season and now going into the new season. And and to me, I I think there's a lot of questions with the the other teams, like the Chicago Bulls. They had a bad season last year, but they still have a very good roster. And maybe they just had an off year. Maybe going into the new season. I like Donovan. I think Billy Donovan is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And maybe this roster... This year with Lonzo Ball healthy will be different.
1: Mm-hmm and if they keep Zach Levine too the, the amount of talent that they could have in that front end too the question is with their rookies because they haven't really drafted well recently too but you're right they they were giving uh, they were giving Milwaukee fits in the playoffs the year before that too so there's definitely some growth with this team too they gave the Knicks fits all the time the, Knicks, the Knicks, Knicks fits throughout the regular season I think they won on a buzzer beater last year against the Knicks so yeah there's definitely some upside with the Eastern Conference too where it might be a little more well rounded but like the West it's still kind of top heavy it's the Celtics, Bucks, and Josh, everyone else Josh
0: just said the tournament goes towards regular season records.
1: So, well, yeah, it's built into the regular season, but still, like, do they have to really structure it that way? I don't like it. Yeah,
0: I, don't I really don't like it. Why, why are you having a tournament in the middle of the season when you're not getting anything for it? Now, if you win the tournament and it gives you an opportunity to make the playoffs automatically, that's something that you could play right. for. That's something that I would want to play for yep. because that gives me an opportunity. If I win this tournament, I'm automatically automatically going to be the eighth seed. Automatically. right? That would make sense on why I want to play. Right now, this doesn't make sense, and and if I'm a Nick fan and I lose a player like Jalen Brunson in this tournament, or I lose any of my players
1: in this tournament, that would be, that would piss me off, right? And we were talking about it last week with low management too, like. Is that the games you're going to want to play in if you're playing in this play in tournament, too? Are you just going to incentivize these games more for these players, too, when that could be the game that they're resting? If the Knicks have a tournament game against, say, the Orlando Magic, who aren't that good, is that the game you would want to give Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle low management for? But the NBA is not going to care because it's their tournament. And, and Josh is right.
0: It's stupid, but people will tune in. People are going to tune into anything. Right. Because people want to a bid. They want to, it's it's a betting world now. And if you're in a state or you're in a part of the state that you can bet, or if you're playing if you're playing illegally, you're <laughs> going to bet. These tournaments. So, of course, they're going to tune in and watch it. But if you're a fan of a certain team and you know they're, inj- they're an injury-prone team or you have a player that's injured and he's going to play in this tournament because, hey, I am go- I have a chance to win more. I can, I can win more money or whatever. Right. It puts them at harm's way. And I don't think it's right. I think the NBA needs to look at this. If they're going to play a play-in tournament every single year, there has to be some stipulations to it. And there has to be something
1: that you absolutely can win at the end of the tournament, if you win this tournament, you're automatically the eight seed. Right. And we were talking about with betting too. Like maybe we'll get to that with our betting guys down the road when maybe they're betting some of the play in tournament games in December too. But still, there's gonna be betting strategy that could change for some of that fine. But I think anyone betting on that would have been would have thought the same way with a regular season game. And any NBA fan that would have watched this tournament's game too would still be watching this NBA tournament active.
0: My preview for the New York Knicks, and I, I spoke about this on the Cross Island podcast. It's, it's very interesting because I don't know what the Knicks are. I don't know what they're going to be this year. We all know what the Celtics are going to be with Drew Holiday on that roster and Porzingis. If they stay healthy, they're going to be very hard to beat because they have a tremendous bench and they have a great four, a starting five. And it's going to be very hard to compete with them. Right now, the Knicks are competing with them. Look, Porzingis right now is 15 points. He's five for eight. Of course, he's, he's playing well against the Knicks. He's playing well against the Knicks. And he's in Madison Square Garden. And by the way, he wanted to own a piece of the New York Knicks. Of course he did. Him and his brother. But yeah. that hasn't happened anywhere else he's gone. Did he ask Dallas to do that? Did he ask the Celtics? Celtics to do that? Or how about, did he ask the Wizards to do
1: that? No, just the Knicks. Maybe Caleb Williams should hire uh, Chris House Porzingis' brother. Maybe he'll get his wish of his NFL team. Maybe.
0: Maybe. (laughs) But you look at this roster for the New York Knicks, Dante uh, DiVincenzo, everybody likes this kid. Uh, He played for Milwaukee. He was traded to Golden State last year. And then he's a Villanova kid. He's 26 years old. And they didn't have to give him a huge payday. It really wasn't. It made sense on what they gave him. I think it was like a three or four year deal worth right. about 70-something million dollars. Uh, I I question what they did with OB Toppin. I don't understand why they didn't get anything for him. They got a second round draft pick for a guy that they drafted in the top five a couple of years ago, who actually looked pretty good when he was playing at the end of the season. So it made no sense. And everybody says, well, he didn't look good in the preseason. Preseason and the regular season are two different games of basketball. But I look at this team, I look at this roster, this roster just doesn't stick out to me, okay? I like Quentin Grimes. Me and Josh talk about him all the time. He could be uh, a Devin Booker lookalike. I I don't know. I don't know. We know he can shoot. But could he play uh, strategically? Could he he play every single game statistically like Devin Booker can? Devin Booker is going to give you 20 points a game. Is Quentin Grimes going to do that every single week, every single game? So I, I don't know. And then there's questions with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was the, one of the best players in that tournament, that world championship. He was. For Team Canada, he was the best. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns played on that team. Wiggins played on that team. And the best player on that team that knocked off Team USA was R.J. Barrett. But is R.J. Barrett going to do that in the regular season for the New York Knicks when they need him the most? Mitchell Robertson was playing fantastic against the Cavaliers last year until game number five when he hurt himself. Then he goes into the Miami series, and he just got pulverized yeah. by Bam Adebayo. And then you look at Julius Randle. We all know what Julius Randle is. He's a statistic machine if you play fantasy. Yep. But in the playoffs, he's a bricklayer. And the guy doesn't get along with anybody if he doesn't get the ball in his hands. Jalen Brunson has to have the season that he had last year. He needs to score between 22 and 24 points a game. He needs to average about eight to nine assists a game and do what he does best, get everybody involved. If he does that, the Knicks could absolutely make a run. Are they a championship-contending team right now uh, as far as the roster is built right now? No. Evan Fournier is still on this roster. He's still making almost $20 million a year. I think it's $18 million a year. They overpaid for him. The only two contracts I hated by Leon Rose was Evan Fournier and Julius Randle. Julius Randle is a, a, a statistic machine, so you you could say whatever you want. At least
1: he puts up numbers in the regular season and helps his team win. What has Evan Fournier done for them? Nothing. At least Julius Randle is a well-rounded player. He's just really inconsistent with it, the kind of thing, too. And he's 42% shooting from the field. It's not ideal when he's hogging the ball it's on either. And you look at somebody like the Knicks... When you look at the bench, too, they have a lot of good wing players off the bench, too. The one thing I worry about with the Knicks is their bigger forwards. Could they be able to get more with that, especially if Mitchell Robinson gets hurt, too, with the rebounding? And that's why I was dis- really disappointed when they traded a away, too, because he was really good with that second unit as a strategic basketball player. Yes, he missed a lot of threes. Yes, he... Had some turnover issues, but he was good defensively for his size. He was a good passer, and the guys played better around him, too. Can they find that other guy to make that kind of thing work? Because they have a lot of it with the twos. They have a lot of it with the threes. I don't know if they have it with the fours, and that is what worries me the most with the Knicks this season. I think they'll be about the same, a five or six seed in the East, but... Not much upside besides that unless they make a big move.
0: And they're probably going to make a big move at the trade deadline. I could see the Knicks doing it. I don't know who they're going to bring in. Maybe they bring in two guys. But that doesn't mean they're going to be a championship team. And right now when you look at this roster, this this roster isn't a championship team. I would say the Celtics are built to win a championship. Oh, yeah. The question is, are they going to be able to put all the pieces together? I don't know what the Celtics are going to do. And we've seen the Celtics over the last couple of years in the playoffs. They have absolutely laid a lousy goose egg, especially against Miami. For some reason, they've had problems beating Miami in the playoffs. Maybe because it's Bolstra, he's the best coach in the NBA. Or maybe it's just their gritty team, and they got guys like Jimmy Butler that all of a sudden explode in the playoffs and put up numbers that you wouldn't expect. So... I, I, and Jimmy Butler's a great player. Oh, yeah? I'm not saying that he's not a great player, but Jimmy Butler is a different player in the playoffs. Last year he was the best player, you know, not in every single series, but throughout the the
1: the the finals and the the championship. He was the best player on the court. Right. The Celtics, no question, I think are the most complete all-around team in the Eastern Conference. But we've seen in the playoffs when one of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown struggles, sometimes they have struggles offensively. There were a lot of games they scored less than 100 points in the playoffs, even in games they won. And can they expect it again with a coach that's still kind of questionable, too? And we'll see with all these new pieces coming in with the trades that they made, too. I know you love the Drew Holiday move, and that'll definitely help their perimeter defense get even better.
0: I think Drew Holiday is so underrated. He is so underrated because he's two, he's a two-dimensional player. He can play the defense, and he can shoot. He could do everything, and he gets everybody involved. And Giannis came out, and I, I know Josh told me this the other day. Giannis came out after they won the championship, and they said, Giannis said, how did you win this championship? And, and Giannis said, if we didn't have Drew Halliday, we didn't have a chance to win this Oh, yeah, he was the best
1: player in the finals. Yeah,
0: so I, I still think Giannis was the best player throughout the playoffs, and he's going to blow up. A guy like Drew Holiday, because of who he is and, and the type of player he is, and he's a good person, he's a good, kind soul. Him and his wife, I mean, they won an ESPY the, last year for, for all the kindness that they have done over the years, yeah. investing and, and donating so much
1: money. And I think his, his wife is a, is a former soccer player. Yeah, she's a soccer player. I think she was on the USA roster this year but missed the cut for the World Cup.
0: Oh, okay. So, uh, I mean, uh, to me, a guy like Drew Holiday is a guy that you have to and you, you should respect. So I, I love the story behind everything that he has done, him and his wife. And, and, and I, I love what the Celtics have done in the offseason. I, I, to trade away Brogdon and bring in Drew Holiday and, and get Drew Holiday from Portland, I, I I understand why Portland did it. They were trying to get rid of the contract. But to give up a player of that magnitude who could have helped – uh, Scoot actually learned the game. He, he's a good teacher, and he's a successful point guard in his league. I think Scoot would have learned the game a lot better if he had somebody like that on that roster. Brogdon is a guy. He's a good player, but Brogdon can't stay healthy. He never stays
1: healthy. He's also not a true point guard either. He's more of a wing that has some good ball-handling skills too, and the Celtics still pulling that off for got two, probably their two most injury-prone players on the team, Malcolm Brogdon, and I know, Jeff, you like him, but uh, Robert Williams has never stayed healthy either. And... He's no
0: longer well, He's no longer a Celtic, so yeah. I doubt he gives a right. Crap about him.
1: Yeah, but even so, like th- that they didn't have to trade much in order to get a player that has been good in the playoffs, too, was the best defensive point guard in the league in the year the Bucks won the championship, still one of the best ones today. And you get somebody to help out with Derek White, who's already a good perimeter defender. Jalen Brown's a great perimeter defender, too. That's going to be a great, a great identity for the Celtics team if they can get the same level of depth they had last year. There's
0: a lot of questions right now with the Nets. And what type of roster do they have this year? They played very well. When they traded Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were gone. And they, they had to play team basketball. Mikkel Bridges really turned into the superstar that everybody thought he could be after getting traded from Phoenix to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant. And what he did in the, the World Championships with Team USA, he was the best player on Team USA. It, not even close. He was the best player on Team USA. You look at this roster, what stands out to you? I I mean, everybody keeps talking about this kid, Cameron Johnson. Good three-point shooter, but not much else besides that. But he's another guy that came in that Phoenix trade. Mm -hmm. And he didn't but This guy was a top draft pick for Phoenix years and years ago. Yeah, I think he was 10th overall. And he never developed. Mm -hmm. Never developed. Now, he's a good shooter. I understand why people like him. He played for North Carolina. I I do remember that. He was the best mid-range shooter in the country in North Carolina. Yes, but he hasn't been that in the NBA. And you you bring in ex-Knicks like Dennis Smith Jr. Are you going to trust Dennis Smith Jr. on this roster? Ben Simmons, (laughs) are you going to trust him to stay healthy this year and keep his mouth shut? I mean, there are guys on this roster, there's a lot of questions. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. They should have never traded him. They should have never let him go. And I will say that. And they brought him back. And I thought Spencer Dinwiddie was going to be traded in the offseason. But they decided to keep him. He's still... He's still a good, a good player. Now, he's a veteran player, 30 years old, but he still has a lot of basketball left inside of him. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot of questions with this roster. They made, they made the playoffs last year. The Nets made the they squeaked into the playoffs. They weren't version. even a play-in team either. They were a the six, six seed. They were a sixth seed. They made the playoffs when when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin, and there were like 20 games, 22 games left of the season. Right. They won a lot of games without Kyrie Irvin and Kevin Durant. That says a lot about the coaching. That says a lot about this team
1: and the chemistry of this team when those two idiots left. Right, and they, they held off the Miami Heat. Granted, Miami made the finals, so it didn't really hurt them, but they held off the Miami Heat, a good team. They held off a very hot, in the second half, Atlanta Hawks team, too. So it's not like they held off a bunch of scrubs.
0: I I think when you look at this team and this roster, there's a lot of questions. And 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 could they do it in an 82 game season? They don't have a superstar now. Mikel Bridges could be a superstar. He could turn into a super superstar this year. He he is a fantastic talent. He really is. He's undersized at his position. I will say that yeah. he's six foot six and he's 209 pounds, but he's got a tremendous ability. He's a good rebounder. He does everything right, and he doesn't he doesn't cry on the court. He just goes out there and plays the game, but. Are you going to trust that Mikel Bridges is a guy that you want to build your team
1: around? And again, the, the Nets right now, they have one well-rounded player in McHale Bridges. They have a lot of specialists besides that. Spencer Dinwiddie is a good point guard, pure point guard, but still leaves a lot to be desired, also being kind of an undersized player too. Like you were saying, Cam Johnson is just really a shooter and not really much else, not much of a defender. Nick Claxton, we were talking about it during your fantasy draft yep. on Monday, mm-hmm. is one of the best rebounder shot block guys. But like Mitchell Robinson, really doesn't provide much offensively for him and is a horrible free throw shooter. I think he's better than Robinson, but not by much too. And then those these rookies that they've drafted in recent years with these drafts, Fix too. How fast will they be able to get to develop under this new coaching staff too? I like Jock Vaughn. I think he's done a good job with this team so far, considering the circumstances. But still, it's still not. See, a team. I don't
0: like Jock Vaughn, but I remember in Orlando, and he did, sure. he, was, he wasn't successful there. Okay. but he got it. He, he got another chance over here with the Brooklyn Nets, and and what he did last year in the last twenty two games of the season when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were no no part no more part of this roster, I was impressed on his coaching skill with these young players, but can he do it in a full season? 82 games. He had a lo- young squad over there in Orlando. It didn't work. He couldn't, right. he couldn't build that team. They had how many first-round draft picks on that roster when he took over that roster? Yep. It didn't work. So could Jock Vaughn, in his second job as a head coach, could it work now? I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions over there. So I I, I just think that if you're a Net fan, don't expect... This team to make the playoffs this year because there are a lot of good teams in in the Eastern Conference that could squeak in. Uh, The the Brooklyn Nets, okay. So I'm looking at the rosters. Atlanta should make the playoffs this year. Yep, they should. They're a good roster. If they stay healthy, they're going to make the they're going to make the playoffs. Boston is definitely making the playoffs. Um, Cleveland is definitely making the playoffs if if there's no injuries. I think Detroit makes the playoffs this year. I think they're at least, I think they could
1: be a play in team, but yeah, I could see that.
0: I I could see Detroit make, as long as they keep their youngsters healthy. I think Ivy's going to be explosive this year. Mm -hmm. I really do. He played very well in the second half. And when he took over, when he was the number one point guard, he was the number one option on this roster. He played fantastic. Imani Williams coaching them now, too. Yep. Indiana is going to be really good this year. I I like their roster. They're young. They added Obi Toppin. Hal Burton is one of the best point guards in the league. Uh, I think they're going to be fun to watch. uh, High flying, very good offensively, and hopefully better defensively than they were last year. Milwaukee, obviously. Miami, obviously. The Knicks should make the playoffs. And the 76ers, so... Only eight teams. There are playing playing teams. I think ten teams make ten it. Ten teams make it. Seven through ten. Uh, so let's do it. Atlanta's tournament. making the playoffs. Boston's making the playoffs. Cleveland's making the playoffs. Detroit, I think, is going to make the playoffs. Indiana's going to make the playoffs. Miami, Milwaukee, the Knicks, Philadelphia. That's ten. That's ten teams. Now, we could be wrong. Now... Charlotte could surprise a lot of people. LaMelo Ball becomes a super, superstar. Uh, Michael
1: Jordan's no longer there. He's not the team owner. May- maybe this is a different squad this year. If yeah, Brandon Miller's on the t- uh, playing all year, too, if he doesn't have those off- off-court issues, too, he's going to be a really good player, too. The
0: Chicago Bulls. Uh, we- I just said, I, I love Donovan. Uh, I think Billy Donovan's one of the, he's Long Island native, New York native. I-, I-, I would love to see Chicago make the playoffs. They have DeRozan still there, they, have- they still have weapons there. Uh, and I I think they they had a good squad last year. It didn't make any sense how it didn't click in a Donovan type of offense. But again, that could be different this year. So there could be a lot of questions. And if the Seventy Sixers part ways with James Harden and it be and bead leaves, this roster stinks.
1: They're mm-hmm. not going anywhere. It might be like a Dallas Maverick situation last year, where the 76ers fall from like six to out of the playoffs. So the the Eastern Conference is so wide
0: open. The Western Conference, we all know who's going to make. We know Denver's making the playoffs. Phoenix, as long as they you know these players like uh, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant actually work well together, because I don't know if they have a point guard that can run that offense.
1: And if they stay healthy. And
0: they, can stay, and they have to stay healthy. They're making the playoffs. I still think Golden State's going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I don't like their roster, but I think they're going to make the playoffs because they have Steph Curry. Uh, Los Angeles is definitely making the playoffs this year with the roster that they have, uh, they brought Wood in. I uh, they have weapons. LeBron has to stay healthy. Anthony Davis has got to play better. But this is a good and Reeves is still there. They're they're going to win uh, a significant amount of games this year. Dallas, there's a lot of questions here. I don't know. Houston, I love. They brought in a coach that you know as long as he keeps his you know what in his pants. Uh, <laughs> they could. They have a good young roster. They're good. They're talented. Maybe maybe Houston makes the playoffs this year. I, I would predict they don't. They might miss. The, they might have the playing game, but I don't think... Right.
1: I would say 9 or 10 Yeah, at
0: most. The Clippers are making the playoffs. Memphis is definitely making the playoffs, including when they add John Moran to this roster. Minnesota should make the playoffs with the roster they have. The Pelicans, with a full season of Zion Williamson, should make the playoffs. You would hope. Oklahoma's making the playoffs, and Sacramento could make the playoffs. So... San Antonio's not making the playoffs. Utah, I'll be very surprised if Utah makes. It. They played. They started the season so strong, and then they fell off in the second. Yeah, half. Yeah, they're like season.
1: eleven and two, and then they finished the first half of the season like twenty eight and uh, twenty and like forty eight. I
0: something. could see them trading Markinen in the you know at the trade deadline. Oh sure, because they could get a lot for him if Markinen starts the season strong. He was high in fantasy. If he if he's averaging twenty to twenty two points, and a team needs a big man that could shoot and, and do the things that he does well. Um, marketing could be on his way out from Utah if they're not a playoff contending team. Let's go with and,
1: Cleveland. So maybe they try to get him back. So. Yes, and we
0: all know that uh, a guy that absolutely can't stand the Knicks, who's the <laughs> president of opera, or vice president of operations over there, would probably move him for you know two first round draft
1: picks. Oh yeah, no, no, they'll ask for Julius Randle back in the trade.
0: <laughs> I don't think that he's going to the Knicks. I'm just no, saying, I don't either. That's the joke. I, I don't see the Knicks trading with him ever again after the whole Donovan Mitchell right. collapse. <laughs> I mean, the Knicks were not going to give up. What uh, you know they were asking for, and and obviously they were asking for it because they thought that the Knicks were stupid enough to do it. So I, it's it's open. The NBA season is going to be open. I still think the best team in the NBA is Denver. Oh yeah, I think they're the best team. Uh, very well coached. They have the best player in the world in Jokic. I I and and, and to me, if Murray plays like he did in the second half. Uh, he he got his legs under him. If he plays a full season, Jamal Murray, I, they're going to be very hard to beat. I, I even the Celtics, if they match up against them, I just I don't know if anybody can match up to them uh, going into this season. I, I think they're going to be fun to watch.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they win sixty eight, sixty nine games this year. Mm-hmm. And one thing we did see in the NBA last year that you didn't really see in years past too is these younger teams getting better quickly too. Like. The Sacramento Kings were the number three seed in the in the mm-hmm. West last year. Memphis was number two. You had Ca- the Cavaliers be number three last or number four last year. Four and the Knicks and, were five. Right, and those young teams that weren't expected to be that good right away made their mark. And we saw that kind of thing in baseball this year, where a lot of the veteran teams fell off, and the young teams, obviously with the Diamondbacks and the Rangers in the World Series, now made their mark. And you saw that in the NBA too, with these regular season teams making their splashes. So I think you're going to get that kind of thing. I think the top is kind of top heavy with the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Bucks and probably everybody else, maybe Miami, but the 5 through, like, 20 could go in many different directions. Were the Knicks 6 or... They were 5. They, they were 5, they right? They played it against was... Cleveland in the first round right. and then lost to Miami, who was the 8th seed. That's right, so that's right. They, ended up, they normally would have played the 1 seed, which would have been Milwaukee, but they played the 8th.
0: With the NBA, you just you can't predict what's going to happen. but You know who's going to sneak into the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference. Right. It, it, there's there's not many questions with the Western Conference. I I mean... I think Portland will have a good young player. Scoot will definitely be up for uh, a rookie of the year consideration. I absolutely believe that. And I, I think Sacramento is going to be a lot better oh, yeah. this year than they were last year. I, I think they're fun to watch. The bonus is sensational. De'Aaron Fox is one of the best point guards in the league, and he wasn't healthy in the playoffs in that playoff run. If he was healthy, maybe, maybe they wouldn't. definitely. Yeah, so Who knows I, that. I, I think there's a lot of questions with the Western Conference this year, and maybe Golden State don't make the playoffs. Everybody thinks that Golden State, including me, because Steph Curry's on the roster, they have a chance to still win a championship. I think they're done. I, I, I think think championship is no longer out of their mouths. They just want to make a run, and maybe if they squeak, maybe they make a trade at the trade deadline, and they get an Embiid. They need size everyone.
1: badly, so they have to try something. If
0: they could get Embiid or call Anthony Towns with right. this roster, maybe. But you, who are you going to trade for? Right. I mean, you don't have anything. Nobody wants Klay Thompson's contract. He's not healthy. He's never healthy. Uh, Steph Curry for call Anthony Towns. Are you going to trade Steph Curry, they, your franchise player? Curry, no. They're not going to do that. So yeah. who are they going to trade? Draymond Green? Oh, yeah. Nobody go, wants go him. Go trade a
1: 125 or whatever million-dollar guy that all he does is run his mouth and get hurt. Yeah, that, that, that makes a he's sense. Nobody's taking
0: him. I mean, there's nobody on this roster. They traded Wiseman for nothing. Made no sense. Jordan Poole, they just shoot away. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, maybe, but... Andrew Wiggins, you're not getting a beat for just Andrew Wiggins. And
1: even Chenzo was really good for them, too, last year, and they
0: lost him. He goes to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So, And that's a problem with the Golden State Warriors. And now that their GM is no longer there, he stepped down. Where do they go with this roster? Does Steve Kerr decide to part ways with the organization at the end of this year if they don't make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Now, he came out and said in the offseason, he was uh, the assistant coach on Team USA. He came out and said that he wants to be there for the next couple of years. He wants to be a part of the rebuilding and and, and win more championships there. I just don't know if it's going to happen. And Steph Curry is only getting older, and his ankles are getting older, and his knees are getting older. And you're going to trust these old players, especially with Klay Thompson, who got an extension, tears his Achilles, tears his ACL, and he's never going to be the same player. So And Chris Paul is injury-prone, too. I like Chris Paul. I like the I move of Chris Paul. I, I think that he, him coming off the bench as a point guard is sensational. And, and Chris Paul might move himself into that starting lineup with Steph Curry. It'll be a small lineup. But really small. I, but – Again, you put Chris Paul with Steph Curry. I mean... You have a dynamic uh, a dynamic duo over there. And oh I, yeah, line up for the end of the game. It'll be potent. And Chris Paul, he, he could still pass the ball very, very well. For his size, he's a pretty good rebounder and he could still shoot. He could still hit big shots and he's a good free throw shooter. So I I, th- I still think adding Chris Paul was a nice piece, but is it a piece to get him over the hump? I don't think that. And, and if you're a Golden State fan, and I know there's a lot of Golden State fans that argue with me all over social media and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. It, the fact is, Steph Curry is not getting any younger? He's thirty-three years old. Okay, he's not. He, I watched his uh, documentary. Great for him. He's a sensational player. We all know what he is. We all know what he's capable of doing. He's the greatest three-point shooter we've ever seen in the NBA.
1: No question. <laughs> Did you just watch his documentary just to nitpick on something? No, I. I
0: was intrigued. I was actually a Steph Curry fan when he
1: played for Davidson. Oh yeah, you mentioned. I him was. A lot of times.
0: I. I liked him. But when he came into the NBA and the Knicks missed out on him, that wasn't why he didn't like him. It was when, after his ankles and he had all those surgeries, it was when he came and he started playing his game and became a superstar in his league. He became some cocky kid dancing around, biting his mouthpiece, throwing his mouthpiece around, and and thinking that he's the greatest point guard to ever play the game, which he's not. (laughs) And for him to think that is ridiculous. Magic Johnson came out in the offseason and says, it says you have to play longer and you have to be a dominant force at the point guard position before you say that you're better than me or better than half the guys that have played in this league. Right,
1: and also if you, you you want to sh- take shots at the Knicks for everything, like at least you're not the Minnesota Timberwolves. They passed on Steph Curry with two different first round. I mean, picks. Steph Curry's dominance was
0: what seven years? I mean, he was dominant for seven years. Uh,
1: yeah, I would say like the peak form was dominant for about that. He was a good player for probably another four or five, but the first couple how of years how long has he been Curry, in the league? Uh, since 2008, so like I would say, the first three years of his career, he was just mad. Then he was good, and then now he's uh, well. Great. The first
0: three or four yeah. years, he was injured. He right. was he wasn't healthy, so it took him his fifth year. So. I would say seven years of of his dominant his dominant game, and yes, he's the greatest three point shooter in those times. And and people, you know, he brought so many fans to the game, and, and especially uh, he sells the most jerseys and all that other stuff. Great for him, but to say that he's the greatest point guard to ever play the game is ridiculous. And I loved Magic Johnson when he came out and said, and, and Magic Johnson sticks up for everybody because Magic Johnson came out and said Kobe Bryant is the greatest Laker of all time. When when I when he said that, I said, what do you want, drugs? I mean, uh, did you forget about Kareem? Dole Jabbar? Did you forget about yep. yourself? Did you forget about, I don't know, uh, I would say he, he was better than James Worthy, but w- was he better than Shaquille O'Neal when Shaquille O'Neal was there at the dominant for time that he was dominant? I, I don't know. So, to say that he's the greatest Laker, I mean, Jerry West was on that team. Uh, Jerry West was a great Laker. There were so many great Lakers. To say Kobe Bryant was the greatest Laker, I, I think that's that's crazy. But again, it's Magic Johnson. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to free agent infielder Devin Morero played in 2014 and 2022 with the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins and the Mets here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the worldwide Sports
2: Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth.
0: We are back ladies and gentlemen as you know This is the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy. PD, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Sports Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Tune in to Game On, which airs every single Friday at 6 p.m. We have The Wise Guy, which airs every single Monday, Mondays and Wednesdays, wherever
1: Trey wants to go on live. He's consistent with Fridays, besides not... Now not he's much. on
0: Fridays. I mean, the guy's all over the place. But uh, we have that. We have The Herd. Uh, the Buffalo Bills show, so and we have a betting show every single Saturday morning, so tune in every single week. But we have our first guest, or our only guest tonight, and we're happy to have him on. He's a free agent infielder, and his name is Devin Marrero. Played for 2014-2022 uh, with the Red Sox, Diamondbacks, Marlins, and Mets. Happy to have you, bud. Uh, how are you and your family doing with COVID and everything that's gone on over the last couple of years?
2: We're good, man. We're good. You know, COVID's kind of not a thing in Miami. Or I'm here in Atlanta now with my girlfriend, living here. So, COVID really doesn't exist anymore. It never did in Miami. You know, everything was normal back then. But everyone's good. Everyone's working, and you know, I'm here uh, enjoying retirement. So it's it's been a it's been a fun year for sure.
0: Well, uh, are you for Team Rogers or Team Kelsey with the whole COVID shot?
2: Oh. <laughs> uh... Man, Kelsey's Kelsey's a, a good friend of of Hosmer, so I'm, I'm staying on Kelsey's side for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I want to I before we a get into fiasco, I try to stay out of all that COVID yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, well,
0: so. I, I mean, it's so funny because when. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were playing the Jets, uh, Aaron Rodgers was on the sideline, and you see Kelsey and him laughing and, and giggling, but when when Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show, he was taking shots at Kelsey, and then Kelsey was on his own podcast. He was yeah. taking shots at Aaron Rodgers, and then they're hanging out laughing and giggling about it, so I don't know, but, uh, you know, that's sports. That's,
2: that's the media for you, man. It's just creating, creating something, you know, so those guys are in their media worlds now, and, you know, there's that brotherhood in in sports. So those guys are just probably texting each other on the side. Hey man, let's, let's stir some shit up this this week. (laughs) I
1: want to ask before we get into some baseball stuff, what is that sculpture in the background? That is very cool.
2: Um, that's, uh, from one of my guys, uh, who's a great artist, uh, Timmy sneaks in, uh, in Boston. He made like a, it's like a super trooper. Mm, It's like a custom painted super trooper. It's super, super sick. It's, I'm a big art art collector. You know, um, Art Basel's big in Miami, so I love art. My girlfriend loves art, so we like to collect a couple things. You've especially- been mentioning
0: your girlfriend. So- hmm, are we talking
2: about marriage soon, my friend? I don't know. Hey, maybe. Oh, look maybe. at you, man. I'm maybe. happy that's, for that's, you. That's definitely the plan. You know, I found me the right one, a amazing, amazing woman. So, you know, we have a lot of fun together. We have a lot of similarities. And, and I was single for a long time, but now it's, now it's time to settle down and start a family. Oh, you did the cheater. That's what we call. It. We
0: call it. We call it the Jeter. You did the Jeter. Your your career is over as far as you're yeah. concerned. And you know, I'm 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 going to move on. I want kids. I want a big, yeah. beautiful house. I want to buy all the artwork to put all over my walls. And 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 you know, and build a nice little you know den for the kids. So there yeah. you go. And by the way, yeah. those were the Marlins colors, right? I, I, they look like Marlins colors. I mean,
2: no, it's like a little bit of everything. Little Vice colors. You know, I'm a big neon guy, so. Mm you know the the vice colors on on that thing is pretty makes it pop out in in my style you know i also yeah. got one of those jerseys the miami, jerseys, the miami vice, vice jerseys i do i
0: do have the miami vice jerseys i do like them i, I, I mean, i'm a nick fan not, you know yeah i i i those colors are sick 100%. I grew. I, see, I grew up a Miami Vice fan. I, I mean, I love the TV show. So uh-huh. and I always tried when I was a kid. I wanted to wear the glasses. I want to, you know, I, with the nice cars in Miami. And I go to Miami. You know, it's beautiful. But I, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I'm really not a big fan of Miami. And the reason why is because everybody thinks you go there and everything is just fast paced. And every,
2: everything's slow. Everything's slow over there. Everything and it just starts later, man. Like, it's like. It's what's slow is California. That's like that's slow, like, too. Let me tell you slow. So like, <laughs> I've been in California a lot. So when I get to Miami, it's definitely not slow. It's, you know, you it's not fast beach, like New York. Day, the beach days are slow. Yes. And then, you know, everyone goes to dinner at 1030. If you go to dinner at eight, like that's like too early. There's yeah. no one there. Then it's like slow. Mm. But from 1030 till five o'clock, Miami is
0: Fast. Are you talking about at night or in the morning?
2: Yeah, no. All right. Well, I've
0: been in. I've been the night. You know, I I would and yeah. I, I've had the opportunity oh, to check out. The nighttime and everything like yes. that. Yes, so it. but it just it. yeah. But when you go into the you know the places you want to get a drink or something, like, everything's so slow. I'm like, what the hell? Could you just give me my damn food already? So I that's the only and everything's expensive. Make you
2: spend there. more money, man. The longer uh, you sit there, the more you're gonna get a drink. Oh my god, two drinks, three drinks.
0: I'm gonna tell you this. I it, the one thing. I, I like the mimosas over there, but you know when you get up in the morning and you go outside and you get out of your hotel and you go over there and you try to find a place to get one of those things, it takes forever for them to give it to you. By the time they bring you your mimosa, I'm getting up. I'm like, you know what? Just give me my mimosa. I'm getting it to go. You know what I mean? Just, it was oh, yeah. terrible. I mean, but I understand. I was there for the Super Bowl. I was there in Miami. Went to a bunch so. of events. I loved it. I had a good time. But we're not here to talk about you know Miami. We're here to talk about you. Um, the Diamondbacks. I know you played for the Diamondbacks. A lot of people were shocked, especially the Phillies going up 3-2 to two in that series. Nobody mm-hmm. thought that the Diamond, the young Diamondbacks were going to come back and win that series. Philadelphia had their best roster. I think they were moving on all cylinders. You had Bryce Harper hitting home runs and pointing out to the outfield. You have Schwerber. Schwarber. The whole team was hitting home runs all over the field. And then all of a sudden, in the last two games, the Diamondbacks absolutely shut them down. What were your thoughts to the Diamondbacks in that series?
2: Man, to me, like I've been saying on... On Instagram lately with all my videos and stuff. So I've been, I've been doing like clips about the whole playoffs. For me, the D backs are a complete team. You know, like they have the pitching, they have the bullpen, they have guys that just grind out at bats. You know, so like they're going to play a complete game more often than the Phillies are going to go off and hit 100 homers. You know, like like home, home run hitting teams, what people don't understand, it's they're streaky. You know, like, the Yankees. Like, when the Yankees are hot, when Judge is hitting the homers, Stanton's hitting the homers, they're, like, the best team on the planet. You know, but, you know, like, the Phillies, they were just hot for those games, first two games at home, and then they found out, hey, we're just going to pitch her on Schwarber, pitcher on Harper, and then we're going to let – have Nick Cassianos beat us, Um, Baum beat us, who was struggling a little bit in the beginning. He went off the last game, obviously. But, yeah, man, those – Philly was – they look good when they're hot, you know, but when they're not, they don't have an alternative game plan to beat you. You know, their only game plan is Wheeler and Nola to shove for eight innings. And if that doesn't go to plan, they don't. And if they don't hit, like they have nothing else, you know, where like the D backs as you saw mm-hmm. a different guy beat them in four games. You no, know, it wasn't just one guy, the whole series that dominated. Like yesterday, Carroll was on base four times, three times with the sack fly. So I mean, he showed finally showed up in the, in the last game, but you know it's they have a complete team, man, and it's this World Series is going to be good because it's two two teams that are hot and they're playing great and they're playing great on both sides, you know. So we'll see. It's going to be this one. This one's going to go seven, I think, because it's wow. going to be mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be because mm. the Rangers are kind of similar to the Phillies, but they have I believe like a deeper lineup, mm. in my opinion. You know, so. It's just they can beat you in more ways than the Phillies can, technically. Right. You know, te- the Phillies pretty much just had that series was Harper and Schwarber hitting homers. And then Nick got hot for in the the, the division series before yes. that. Right. But yeah, man, and that was it. You know, like like there's gonna be like I said to my buddies earlier today, I was like, there's gonna be a game in here where it's gonna be twelve to two Rangers because they just went off and the ball was looking like a freaking beach ball to them and they were hitting homers like crazy so that's going to happen in this series but it's just going to be it's going to be good man because both teams are pitching good their lineup is longer they have guys that can beat you so both defenses are great you know so it's it's going to be interesting man i'm excited for this series two teams that aren't supposed to be there are going to play in the world series like I know a lot of fans wanted the Phillies in because that atmosphere is nuts. Well,
1: not me as a Mets fan. I'm glad. <laughs>
0: well, just yeah. so you know, I had a you know I had a bet with Shane, Shane Green. He was on our show last week. And mm-hmm. I told me and Shane agreed that if the Phillies go to the World Series, that me and him were going to meet and we were going to go to the, the, the Series and watch the Phillies try to win a, uh, a championship. But that never happened, so me and Green are not going to they, the World they're, Series. They're the jinxes of the Phillies. No, <laughs>
2: Phillies will get back. Dombrowski will make sure they're – they they fill out that team for next year. That's that's his that's his deal. Dombrowski knows what he's doing over there. So. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, dude, that guy's been ever since he got there, man. He's put a team that wins in the playoffs. Here's you know? the problem,
0: and I and I think Speedy will agree with me on this. Dombrowski is a good GM, but he has gone to organizations, he's built them up, and then completely. Beat him down.
1: Yeah, and very top heavy.
0: He he he'll win a championship or get close to winning a championship, and then all of a sudden he doesn't know how to rebuild and then he gets pushed out. We've seen this before. He did it in Boston. He's done it everywhere he's gone. Now I'm not saying I am sure you're probably friends with Dombrowski, so I'm not gonna throw him under the bus because I know your buddies with him. But nevertheless, I've when I've seen Dombrowski, it's not like he's never won before. The guy has won before, but He's not the type of guy that, hey, you know what? He's going to build this thing up. Once the thing falls down, he usually falls out. So that's that's the type but of GM is.
2: How many teams actually build up their teams from like the farm system? Like that doesn't really exist anymore. You know, the Cardinals back though. The Cardinals, in the Braves. Only like a select yeah. few teams, yeah. like the Dodgers. Their minor league system's loaded. Mm-hmm. The Yankees used to be loaded, but they had to trade a lot of guys. Yes. Um the Braids minor league system stacked yep. always Royals. like whenever I like whenever I was coming up through the minor leagues, the teams that were always just loaded at every level was the Phillies, Yankees, um who else? The Dodgers. The Dodgers mm-hmm. insanely loaded, the Cardinals, yep. Houston. Like they, yeah, Houston, you know, and then and then that's it. You know, it's like it's very and then you'll have like teams that draft well, like them, like the pirates in a couple of years I think are gonna be super loaded because mm-hmm. they've been drafting well, you know. So it's just it's just a matter of like these teams, can they hold out to when their rookies come there and like stay for a little bit and then like really come alive. So but a lot of teams they're doing now they want to win now, win now. So those <laughs> rookies get there or they're like prospects and they're like, hey, you're gone. We're trading for Judge or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just
0: why don't you come out of retirement? We bring
1: you on. How about that? Or you come back to the Mets. We, we, we won't mind. You're <laughs> a six Ryan at-bats. You got there or go whatever. back to
2: the Mets. That was, that was a fun, fun team. And I know I wasn't there for a lot of time, but that crew was fun. And that was a good team. We just, at the end, we just had some injuries there at the end, like with Scherzer and DeGrom. They weren't, they were pitching, but they were pitching not a hundred percent. But yeah, that team was, that was a fun team, dude. So you're saying that Pete Alonso is a a good
1: leader and good for the clubhouse, not like these naysayers that's saying Who's that? Pete Alonso. Everyone's saying oh he's not good for the clubhouse. That guy
2: (laughs) that guy runs the whole atmosphere there and it's amazing. Everyone there's never you know, like everyone's accountable, right? Like that clubhouse is filled with guys that have been there, done it, you know, all stars. You know, they know what they need to do to get ready for a game, you know, so like, you only need that when you have a young team of guys that are coming up, they need some, like, guidance, but Pete was, dude, Pete's like, guy on the bus, gets on the bus and start and is the MC, and is probably one of the best MCs I've ever had on a bus, <laughs> you know, this guy has different characters that he pulls out, you know, he's he's a trip, man, the clubhouse, he's loose, he's funny, but, you know, once once that game starts, man, that guy goes into game mode, and we're doing everything to win this game, like, it's that was That's what, like, was pretty cool about the big leagues. You know, like, you, when you have, like... I was fortunate to be in Boston, a veteran team. Air, when I got to Arizona, it was veteran team. We had uh, Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. um, Nick Ahmed. We had okay. Pollock. We had Corbin. You know, Robbie Ray. Like, these guys are veterans, you know? So, I was fortunate to be in veteran teams. And that was one of... The Mets was a one of the big-time veteran teams I played with, you know? So, it was... It was impressive how everyone prepares and had fun. But then when it got to game time, it was, Hey, let's turn that switch. (laughs) It was pretty, pretty, pretty cool.
0: As everybody knows, we are talking to free agent infielder, Devin Moraro. He's obviously had a pretty good, uh, major league career, 2014 to 2022. He's retired now, as he said, uh, played for the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins and the Mets and, you, you said you, spo- you you played for the Red Sox. What was it like playing for the Red Sox? What was it like playing
2: at Fenway Park
0: and, and with that team?
2: Oof, that was the best. You know, a team that drafted me um, and get into the major leagues with them. But I think the best part about the Red Sox was all the guys that I came up with, Mookie, Swyhart, Shaw, Benatendi, Jackie, Bogarts, Vasquez. We all got to the big leagues together, you know, and I got traded that year. But they won the World Series together, you know, and that was like Did you get special. a
0: ring? Did you get a ring?
2: No, because I got traded the last day of spring training. Oh. Yeah, so I I didn't get that. But I, I went to the World Series in LA and watched uh watched them win at the last two games there, and it was it was so dope. It was I was like, I have to be there for for the guys. I feel like I'm part of this and I wanted to see them win. They should have
0: given you a ring. Come on, stop being cheap.
2: Yeah. Boston should be sending right. you a nice, beautiful ring from nah, that. No, that's all right. But yeah, man, Boston was awesome, and I got to play with some Hall of Famers. You mm. know, I got to play with Dick Poppy, Pedroia, you know, and uh, you no know, David Price, Porcello, all these guys, man. That are, I mean, Devers is gonna be a Hall of Famer, I'm yes. sure. Mookie's gonna be a Hall of Famer, I'm sure, for sure. You know, Devers, Mookie, Bogarts. You know those guys are
0: all three hundred million dollar players. Keep naming them.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they're getting that money for a reason. You know what I mean? Like those guys. You should call them up. That, you should but... call
0: them up and ask him. Hey,
2: throw me, you know,
1: throw me five mil, man. Throw me five. Why going to Maybe Trevor Story will give you part of your con- part of his contract because yeah, you can not? actually stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, man,
2: I mean, he just had some freak injuries, man. That guy. Like, I did it in Colorado for a lot of years, you know? You could have
0: done it in Colorado, too. Me and you. Me and Speedy could have done it in Colorado with the air over there. <laughs> I mean... You guys, have you guys been there? Have you guys been oh, to that ballpark? Oh, no. I, I
2: have. I have. It's Dude, beautiful. It's beautiful. It unreal. Mm-hmm. And there's so many hits to find there. Mm. Yeah, and like the... It's crazy like I don't know if like anyone's you've talked to any pitchers that have pitched there but like did we ever speak I don't think so. More, I think our guest tomorrow. They throw more fastballs there cuz the slider doesn't break as much. Mm. So like it's very hitter friendly in that way and then I mean the park is huge so the outfielders play back so you get a lot of cheap hits too. Like a lot of green grass in the gaps it's a fun place to play, man. It's it's tight. They'll just never get any pitcher free agents ever there. Right. <laughs> Our <laughs> guest
1: tomorrow, Michael McHenry, was a catcher that played there mm. uh,
2: briefly. He played with the Pirates
1: mostly, but was with the Cardinals and the Rockies mm. too. But Michael's I been I on a show. He's I, fantastic. Yeah, I don't think we've had any nice. pitchers that
2: uh, mm-hmm. played for the Rockies that I can remember. Yeah, so, I mean he'll he'll tell he'll tell you about it. Like it's putting on that three and that two. It's like. Eh, <laughs> you know like you get a little nervous'cause I think he's just gonna spin not so much and just stay right there, so, and when the ball gets in the air there, it's see ya, <laughs> see seen ya hit a ball I've seen Goldschmidt hit a ball there in the upper deck Oppo, and it's like that's that should not happen.
1: you did the Michael K
2: see ya. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he funny. loves
1: broadcasting home runs for not the Yankees. He <laughs> <laughs> does that very much so. Yeah, so I and wanted to ask so about uh, Big Poppy too, when you were there with the Red Sox. That was the last couple years of his career when you first came up. Uh, do you have a good story of Big Poppy?
2: Yeah, man, I have so many good stories of Big Poppy. Um From him taking us out to dinner in New York every night we were there and other places to uh, you know, him making a bet with Mookie Betts in the beginning of the season. When he, like, Mookie never starts off hot. So he was like, hey, like, you're going to be fine. Like, don't worry. And he made a bet with Mookie that he was going to buy him a nice watch and a chain if he hit a certain amount of home runs and an average. And the last series of the year, were in Yankee Stadium. Okay. And me and Mookie went to the ballpark every day together. And uh, we get there, and we were locker mates, and chain hanging and watch hanging right there in his locker at the end of the year and that was just like man that is pro like and this wasn't no cheap watch that you know he has like this was a watch rolex
0: right it It was probably a rolex i'm sure Mm -hmm. i I
2: don't remember what it was but it was i was like damn this is this is pro like this guy was a man of his word and mookie pulled it off and it was sick so sick
0: as everybody knows, we are talking to free agent infielder Devin morero He's a guy that played almost, I think it's eight years in the major leagues. Uh, he played for the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Mets, and you know, Devin. You look at the league now, and and you mentioned it: the Yankees, the Dodgers, all these big teams, and and internationally, everybody keeps talking about this guy Yamoto, and uh, and this is the next big thing. Everybody knows. Uh, over the last couple of years uh, of a pitcher that's been dominant, uh, he's been the MVP a couple of times, and uh, now he's—you know—who you know I'm talking about, Mr. Otani. And now they're yeah. saying that this kid is is going to be a better pitcher than Otani. What are your thoughts? I mean, have you checked him out? Have you ever checked out any of the video of him?
2: I mean, I watched him at the World Baseball Classic, yeah, and that was impressive. I mean, he's not facing. Chump change in the World Baseball Classic, either you know. And I tell you what, man, that Japan League is tough. That Japan, they have some good players that that are over there, and you know it's a tough league. It's I say it's the second best league in the world mm. after obviously here. You no, know, my cousin played over there, and he was like, man, that's that league is no joke. So I mean, you see, I see all the guys that come over there, all the pitchers, like they they dominate for a while, you know, and then they have to like obviously change some things, you know, because I mean a hundred flat and straight in the United States will get hit in the big leagues, you know? But he has a nasty splitter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... His changeup, they say, is the most dominant pitch he has. Yeah. They said it's unbelievable yeah. how it moves. It like that splitter change that yeah. is gross. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those guys come over here and... I mean, you saw... You no, know, I mean, Otani's thing is he pitches and he hits, right? And he, he does. does them very, very well. Mm-hmm. This guy just pitches and... Does it very, 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 well. very, very well? You know what I'm saying? It's like, like if you see Otani pitch, like, man, I want that. That's a number one. Mm-hmm. This guy would be a number one over Otani, 100. Like, percent Oh, I think so
0: too. Where do you think blows. he goes? Where do you think he goes?
2: It honestly depends. Go ahead, say it. I, I, I know where. It I depends, know where you're going. It depends where Otani goes. Hmm. Honestly, I think you know. I think you no, know, if you look at it, it's. A west coast team in my opinion i think this giant are saved like have saved up a lot of money over the past couple of years and they're going to get one one or two of those guys and in, mm-hmm. in my opinion you know they
0: I mean, so you they think it's a the, giant they, they
2: were in the playoff race for a little bit until the last month and then they just fell they fell apart you know so like if they just get a pitcher like that or a player like otani you know it's cause i think the whole japanese market too like off the field and stuff, like Seattle. LA, Anaheim, San Francisco—like the Asian market there is gigantic, mm. you know. But I don't—I don't think any of them go to the Mets or the Yankees. Wow, like thinks,
0: I'm surprised yeah. you say that.
2: Mm. Yeah. I—I've I've been reading.
0: I've been reading a lot of stuff dude, the about Mets have spent
2: them. Spent a lot of money, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> I know. 1.7 with the, with the, with billion dollars with, with the new GM that came from the Brewers. Like he doesn't—he doesn't break the bank for guys. You mm. know what I mean? So he's gonna make—he's gonna make smart. Free agent signings. I'll tell you that because that guy is knows what he's doing, but he's not going to be like, "Hey, we need Otani o- o- is going to save us, or this guy's going to save us." He's going to. That's a lot of money. You're going to have to pay those guys. Like,
0: but how much? I mean, how much is Yamoto going to get? I mean, because he's getting international money. I, I think he. He's only going to make a certain amount of money. You're not going to overpay him.
1: Yeah, I think Senga got five years, 75.
0: So, so I I, I would think that he gets like a four- to five-year deal worth about closer to $90 million. I think that's what he's
2: going to get. He, and, I think I, he's going to get like a short amount of years mm. with a lot of money mm-hmm. so that he could turn around and then get like the— Flip it. Because international, you don't have to wait like the the six years of like— League minimum and then arbitration. Hmm. You know, you just do your contract. Then after that, it's like, all right, now, now we go. Hmm. So I think because he's he's still young, I believe he's still like, in, 24. like twenty four. Yeah, he's still twenty four. Yeah. So that's why I mean, I, you give him you give him a three year deal. Hmm. He's twenty seven, and then
0: he's gonna yeah. get a, a, a boatload of money if he's as good as yeah, everybody so, says he
2: is. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, a three-year deal for him, I think, would be good. Like, three years, like you said, hmm. 50-something, 60 maybe, hmm. you know?
0: But, you, but Devin, if you, if you look at the – if you look at, you said, the Yankees and the Mets, you don't think they, they have a chance to get them. The Yankees have been there quite a few times. Uh, Omar Minaya is working for the Yankees. Uh, Cashman was there watching him play over the summer. And then, obviously – uh, Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie, flew over there himself in his jet no. to go and watch him a couple of a couple of games uh, over the summer. So,
2: that, I, but that was during the season. Yes,
0: and... I, I think it's very interesting. If if and I know there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in him. I heard that. Uh, the, no. I heard the Red Sox. I heard the Yankees. I heard the Mets. I heard the Dodgers
2: are interested in him. I heard the Giants, but like you said. But it's your typical teams yes. right, that have money. It's not like. Just a bit of those five. Well, 16, he's not going that, to
0: Kansas City. I mean, well, yeah. why would he go there? Or, ta- or Tampa. <laughs> well, Tampa will. I think Tampa would pay him because it's not going to be a lot of money. It's $60 oh, I geez. think Tampa could afford it, right?
2: So he's going to play a Tropicana I mean, field all the time. I a lot of money for Tampa.
1: Let's be honest. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> he'll be. He'll be, yeah. he'll be more than their combined payroll for the last 10 years if he goes to Tampa.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, I don't. I think it's going to be like a, because for those guys, it's all about comfort, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you know, like the whole, yeah, they want to win later, but it's like, hey, I want to find, like, this is like a new place for him, you know? He wants to be around an Asian community, Mm -hmm. you know, have some comfort, you know? That's why Otani loves Anaheim, and like, he might stay there. You never know. Good luck with that ownership. Oh, man. But they pay him, he will. I'll tell you that. But Ownership. yeah. ownerships are relevant.
0: But you you say he wants to be in an, a, close to an Asian community. I mean, New York, it, there there's so many Asian communities. I mean, yeah. Queens. I mean, if you you go to the Mets, there's a ton of I mean, Queens is covered with Asian. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you're you know you go to the Yankees, there there's Manhattan. There, it's, yeah. there's so many. I mean, it's so. It, it, it's Especially so open.
2: Sponsorship wise, yes. it's better. Yes, obviously, he'll you make a end. load of money in New York. He'll make a load yeah. of money in New York, and he knows yeah. that. But I don't know, man. Like, you has there ever been an Asian player that signed straight from Asia to the Yankees or the Mets? Yes, actually, it was Speedy. Yep, Tanaka just recently
0: <laughs> Masahiro Tanaka.
2: Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Who else?
0: Um. Well, they well, had a Teigawa lot of bad ones. They had, too, they had a yeah. lot of bad ones too. <laughs> uh, Arabu, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arabu was the worst. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, I remember him. Everybody was yeah. like, "Oh, this guy's the next big yep. thing." He Carl came Says here. Matsui too. Yeah. Matsui. Yeah. Matsui. Well, that was Jason Giambi that drew him here. I mean, Jason Giambi played in the World Baseball Classics, and he 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 actually drew him Godzilla, and he, and and and. And Matsui loved it here in New York. He absolutely loved it. He still works with the Yankees. He's playing in golf tournaments. And uh, who knows? Maybe Matsui uh, pleads with him and says, uh, Come over here, Yamamoto. I will show you around here.
2: Maybe Senga will (laughs) do the same thing for the Mets, too.
1: (laughs) Go for another Japanese
2: pitcher. Or or Ichiro might snag him to Seattle. That's true, too. too, Yeah. That's true, too.
1: So see, see the, that, the only difference is Ichiro, they don't I need the starters as much.
0: I think so, too. I, I think if Ichiro reaches out to him, I think it it's definitely a lot of clout over there. If if, yeah. if Ichiro, reach, Ichiro reaches out to him yeah. and says, listen, come over here. They have a good roster. They have a good pitching staff, and they can yeah. win. I mean, they do. I, I they was very really surprised. I was very surprised do in they, the do second half.
2: I haven't really looked at Seattle's payroll. Do mm-hmm. they have a lot of room there? Like, 100%. Have they, they, have a lot, the they, lot, they have a lot. They have a lot because— only what Julio. Those are the like only that, two big contracts.
1: Are... It's only Julio and Robbie Ray. That's it. They
2: haven't and, and Castillo. Yeah, have, and I mean, Castillo. They have a lot of money. And yeah, they, they have know, enough. See, like, people don't understand, too, with these guys, like Otani. Yeah, like, you're getting the player that he is, you know, but the money that these teams make just off those guys being in the lineup, like stadium, like, in the stadium, outside the stadium, like, it's astronomical. Like, the biggest thing with Bryce Harper was... Yeah, you're getting one of the best players in the world, but people are gonna come watch this guy play every day, you know, and they're gonna buy his jersey, buy his hats. You know, social media now, like there's a big social media following with with these guys, and that's like huge now, you know. So, I hate it.
0: I absolutely yeah. hate the social media thing. by the way, we were talking to free agent infielder Devin Morero. He played from two thousand and fourteen to two thousand and twenty two He played for the Red Sox, he played for the Diamondbacks, the Marlins the mets he 's retired, ladies and gentlemen and and women, ladies, he is not single anymore he 's got a girlfriend he 's very happy, and it might be his future wife. so lay back, stay back from him he 's happy and he 's an art man so uh, but again, you were talking about Otani. I could see Otani going to Seattle. It makes a lot of sense. I he, that with that roster, that young roster, it's over there on the West Coast. He's still close to Japan, and who knows if they they draw Otani there, Yamamoto could go over there too. So it, you're right. It, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, and they have a good young. I was so shocked because I thought they were going to completely. Miss out and, and they played very well in the second half and, and did what they did. They just fell short. And so, I had the other side, they were my World Series, uh,
1: American League the But you of the
0: always year. say, yeah. you you thought Tampa was going to win the World Series. I think, You're I think wrong. Everyone got the whole bracket thing wrong. This I year. didn't. I, mean,
1: I, I certainly did. I
0: didn't. By the way, Speedy, tell him. Yeah,
1: his World Series pick is the Texas Rangers. I
0: had Texas Rangers winning the World Series, and I also had Philadelphia playing them. And I and I predicted all the big teams were going to be knocked out. The Orioles were going to get knocked out. Yep, I predicted it. And Speedy, and I I wish I bet on it because I had Texas winning their first World Series. You made a lot of money. I would have. I would have. You made a lot of money. I'm an idiot, man. I'm an idiot. (laughs) I should have just bet I I, if I had your kind of money, my friend, I'd be rich. Okay. You should have came to me. I'll give you my picks. I don't bet. On my own picks, because I'll lose. But anybody, well, all my works, right? Yeah, you know what I mean, like, terrible.
2: You, yeah, it's terrible. Your, your your picks always win when you don't actually put money down. You know what I mean? No, no, no. But my friends come to
0: me and they ask me, "Who do you got? Who do you got?" And I say, "Okay, as long as you don't, I, I don't ask you for any of the money. You're going to win." So, and then I tell them. I they ask me what games, I give them my games, and, and they win. They're some of, most of the time, I would say about sixty percent of the time when they come to me, I'm right. Sixty yeah. percent. So that's over fifty percent. What
1: is uh, Vegas? What is it? Fifty-seven percent? Fifty-eight percent? What is it? Something like that. Yeah, I don't, don't remember. I don't like remember the, it fluctuates. It fluctuates anywhere from fifty-seven to sixty-two. So you're I giving thinks. your
2: boys a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way,
1: uh, one of our fans, Carl, <laughs> asked uh, if Errol attempted a uh, Japanese accent. What are, what are oh you thinking? God. You th- yeah. You think you sounded like that? Could you
0: imagine me speak Japanese? I mean, first of all, I don't understand any of the symbols. And it could have... Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I could not do it. I could not do it. If If you asked me uh, to say a couple of words, so Otani, I'd be like... How do you say hello and goodbye? That's about yeah. it. <laughs>
1: That's, yeah. Goodbye
0: when he doesn't go to the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> he'll
1: well, go he to the Red Sox.
0: He didn't go by. He didn't go to the Yankees when he had a chance to go to the Yankees. So I don't think he's going them now. Yeah, but yeah. that Soto thing, that Soto story, is very interesting. I I, I do believe that if Soto does become available, I I could see the Yankees absolutely gunning for him. It makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah, especially in that park. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lefty, yeah. they need left-handed power. He's a good playoff player. That's something that the Yankees have been craving. He doesn't have a beard
2: already, so it's fine. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Even though the Yankee fans like to attack him when he was playing, and I was there, I was at, at the game, and, and and there was a story that came out at that particular game that right behind him, a bunch of Yankee fans were saying derogatory things to him, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this guy could be a Yankee, and you're cursing at him and saying all this crazy stuff at him. I don't
1: know, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if, how much how true this is, but I don't know if you heard this, Devin. Like Yankee fans were blaming Bryce Harper's facial. For the reason he didn't go to the Yankees. <laughs>
2: so, you never know, dude. There's some little things that guys just like just don't. Mm. Like I am not shaving. Like I haven't shaved my face since Boston. I think. Wow. Like in the minor leagues. Like you yeah, weren't going to the Yankees then? <laughs> Did you embrace the big
1: beard when you were in Boston when you came up? Because the 2013 team that won the World Series was like all those oh, yeah, big that, beards. That
2: was so it was funny because when that team went to the World Series there was a huge like no shave <laughs> like you have to shave in the minor leagues hmm. in boston and then wow. when they went to the world series had that run the next year it was like hey you guys can grow a beard like from triple a on so it was and i was already there in triple a um in, in 14 so i was like oh this is perfect timing <laughs> so yeah and then i had the playoff beard and when was it in 17 i had the playoff beard in uh 16 I think you guys 16. made it so yeah. Had the paper in 16 and 17. Well you don't have any yeah. gray you know, gray hair. So it, it does look I'm clean. I'm still young, dude. I'm still in my prime. Oh I, I
0: trust me, you would be a baby to me. I'm I'm getting up there in age. <laughs> now. Everyone younger than him is a baby. They're a baby. and by the way, I I have had my beard since I started dating my girlfriend because she told me she doesn't like me without any facial uh-huh. hair. And I say you look too young. So I've had a beard for over six years. So there, there you, you go. Run it out, dude. Yeah, you know she what it much is. She gets, you know? It's it's gotta be clean, man. It's got to be clean,
2: no, always. You always. know, you can't have the messy beer. That's just not it. You got to be clean, Sloppy. You got to have tied. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you, know you know could that. tell that to the Phillies now that they're eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> save all those big beards that they got there. I could,
0: I could see you dye your beard blonde. That would be cool. What do you think? What do you think, nah. Speedy? No, no shot. No. Nah, what do you, what do you? Would I'm your not, girl like I that? Would, I wouldn't be. A would your girl bad. like that?
2: No, she no. would no, She'd be like, absolutely not. And I'd be like, you're absolutely right. You're not I'm coming not... in the house. You're not sleeping in the same bed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's, that won't play. That's just not my thing. <laughs> not my thing at all. I don't. I, there's a lot of pride in this, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to take care of it. I'm not take care of it. I mean, that's I, what I'm saying but tomorrow, like dyeing tom- it, like, it ruins your hair, you know,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what it is, is I go to the barber every single week. Every Friday, like clockwork, I'm at the barber. Everybody says, how do you uh-huh. go to the barber four times a month? I'm just like, I, I got to be clean cut. I'm in the entertainment field, you know. I go to events. I mean, people people looking at you. If I look like Speedy – I'm just kidding, Speedy. <laughs> if I look like anybody else and I look like a dirty, you know, you know what – what do you think they're going to say about me? Oh, that guy! That guy doesn't know how to dress. That guy's a pig. You know? I mean, at the, everybody. You know? You're a professional baseball player. You go out. You're going out to dinner with, you know, David Ortiz and Mookie Betts. The first person they're going to look at is who? Who the hell is that guy?
1: <laughs> bodyguard. bodyguard. It's a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll find Chris Sale when he had his big
2: beard. That's oh, true. Yeah, that was that was the thing in Boston, man. Like especially I mean, I've always been someone who dresses nice mm-hmm. and like always looks good and stuff like that looks professional mm-hmm. but man that team in Boston was swagged out so you had to up your game I mean I was playing with Hanley was there who's swaggy oh, yeah. yeah Chris Young probably the swaggiest player I've ever played really game. like I, I got my style from Chris Young 100% and I tell him all the time look um, at that but yeah man I mean we had some swaggy dudes and you had to show up like we had to, we had to wear suits on every flight which i love i know guys hate that but for me like showing up to on a flight in a suit is just like all right like this is this is show you know <laughs> like not in the minor leagues anymore this is show We're on a show plane wearing show freaking suits so let's go
0: as long as you're not a show far
2: <laughs> no, not, not i'm exactly
0: messing not. with you man but by oh, the way I mean, you are a clean cut, no question. I mean, even your books are set up perfectly, oh, you're a perfectionist. oh, I could see that i am like that too man don't don't get it like twisted watching,
2: you guys watch that uh David Beckham documentary of course I loved it loved it dude. that yeah. guy is cleaning the wicks and the candles yeah like yep he's o c to, I'm not doing that, <laughs> but I'm pretty. Pretty locked in, but he played that.
0: He played when he played soccer. I mean, he was like that, per, you know, as a professional soccer player. Everything yeah. he was a perfectionist, and 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 that's when you want to be the greatest, and you want to be one of the best in the world. That's what you have to be. You, yeah, it's perfection it at its fullest. Even with radio, it's I, so true, man. Yeah. Even with radio, when when you when you put yourself out there, you got a personality and and being punctual is, is what changes the industry. And and people that are boring and dull, I don't want to listen to them. It's 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 yeah. just pathetic. So when you're yeah. when you're interviewing people, you want to bring their personalities out because that brings 100%. the whole the whole uh, you know that that that's whole feel. That's
2: what people want to see. You know they they want to see what's behind that guy. Yeah. You know, like like you've got to see David Beckham's like real life. Of- yeah. Dude, this guy was getting harassed more than anybody. The whole country hated him, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? like, And he got to talk about his actual feelings and who he was and stuff. That was so sick, dude. That's what's, that's what's cool about social media now is that guys get to show their personality, and it's not – like, back then, it was like, hey, don't show your personality. You have to be perfect. Like, don't talk about this subject. Don't talk about that subject. Now it's like, hey, talk about whatever you want. Like, be you. This is what gets clicks. This is what people want to see, you know? So – which is, like, the good part of social media, but, I mean, some people obviously take it too far. Mm. Antonio Brown, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, You
0: know what I mean? He's so got his like, head—that he, guy's got a head up his ass or something, man. I yeah, mean, that no, guy's—he's he's, he's out of control. I, I mean, I think he's been hit too many times to the head.
2: I uh, Maybe— But I like, just, like—like, like some people just—when it seems, like, too fake, it's like, all right, like, I'm off. Mm. I'm off this guy. You know, like there's just like too much that happens. Like, all right, this guy's this is not this isn't really like this guy's truly psycho. And you know, when like this is like who he truly is, all right, I'll give him <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. But some guys, you're just like, dude, that's not you, bro. Like people who know you know you're not like that. And only when you're on have a camera, you're like that. It's like off.
0: I would agree with you. I yeah, I, I definitely I've been around enough athletes in, in different sports, mixed martial arts, boxing, and it, some of them are unique and some of them are just ridiculous I mean and I'm not going to mention any names because I've been attacked on social media by plenty of mixed martial artists uh, and Speedy knows the story
1: yeah and it was wanted in another country yes I I mean I'm wanted
2: that's that's, that's a bad sport to attack right there you know I was a fighter by the way so I I guess yes so you're good dude yeah well you know what it is grappling techniques you got them yeah well
1: you know don't say don't
2: (laughs) I'm going to last 10 seconds in a freaking octagon.
1: Oh, believe me, er- er- Errol has come out and said he wants to fight this fighter
0: because he thinks he could beat him. No, I do. I do believe I could beat him. And I'm heavier than he is. I don't know how he's going to get me to the ground. So I- I'm I'm 230 pounds. You know, I'm I'm a pretty big guy. And it- it's when-, when you know how to grapple and you know how to defend yourself, it- it's not easy.
2: Dude, the grapple, whole grapple thing, that is scary. Like when you meet someone who can do that and put you in uh a- Twist before you can even say a word. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, no thanks.
0: Well, it's an art, and and people people is, think dude, you know everybody thinks beautiful. they're yeah. It is
2: a beautiful art. If you're dude, it's, it's, watching like these videos because I'm I'm into UFC and all that stuff also, too, and it's just it's like it's impressive. Like, just watching the guys like move slowly when they do these movements, like when Conor McGregor like had those videos of him moving like slow with the guys like mimicking him. I'm like, you mentioned the guy but that is beautiful, man. That is. Mm. People you think, oh, that's easy. I could do that. Get out. Well, here. Get you
0: free. mentioned the guy that I've had problems with on social media over the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we don't like each other.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Weren't you there when he, like,
0: bought yes. a car? I was at the Barclay at the press conference, and where uh, he, threw, he threw the, the stool. Yes, he threw the st- stool through yep. the window. I was there, and me and him had words after that. So, um, yeah, Love I that. was uh, working the press over there. He's, he's, he's an ass. Okay. Now, listen. He must a lot of people that know him uh has have, have told me that he's a good person off and out of the octagon. But personally, mm-hmm. when he's trying to play something, he's a
2: complete asshole. That's just my opinion. So But well, dude, there's just some people, man, that just have that switch, like when it's fight mode or when it's game mode, you know, they flip it and they become a completely different person. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when it's off the field, like the game's over or the fight's over, it's like all right. Now I can be myself. I, I, I
0: don't understand that, Devin. By the way, it's, everybody, it's, we we were talking to free agent infielder Devin
2: Marrero uh, and uh, ex-baseball player, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but it's just like, it's that mentality. Like there's, like, there's some guys that I played with, you know, that like, if they didn't become that person during the game, mm-hmm. like, they were terrible. And it, it's like, it's like encouraged. Like, hey, no, go to that guy. Like, we need that guy. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just... It's a mental thing, like a competitive thing, you know, like, and you become this persona, you know, and that's like what gets you, gives you your mojo, gives you your flow, gives you like your competitive edge against someone else, you know, like, and obviously people are known for that because that's where they're most seen is on the field and in the octagon and stuff like that, but I know a lot of guys that are like, they're like, man, that guy seems like such a terrible teammate and this and that i'm like actually that guy is one of the best teammates of all time and one of the hardest working people i've ever met in my life like that's usually what the counter the opposite is you know like these people in the game or in the octagon and then off it's these guys are like hard working good teammates great people great family people you know it's just dude some people just have that switch man it's some would say it's a problem, but for them, they use it to their advantage. You know? well, I have that switch. I
0: almost had that switch this weekend. I'm not going to mention on live radio what almost happened. But you know, I, I haven't been in that that situation in a very, very long time. And it's unfortunate the way I, I, it turned out to be. But nevertheless, I'm still here. I'm not arrested. I didn't do anything stupid enough to put myself in jail. But nevertheless, we really appreciate you, Devin. We really appreciate the time. You gave us 45 minutes, and, and that's, to me... Uh, fantastic, and we'd love to get you on the show again uh and and keep up the the good off season and 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 your mojo and and say hello to your girlfriend and uh enjoy your retirement man and what oh, are you well, doing man, right now are on, you man are you doing anything are, are you doing a show yeah, so i 'm
2: trying to get into the sports media world now you know i 'm trying to create some videos and, and talks with companies like e s p n and Moby network to you know hopefully join the sports media world like hopefully start a podcast one day that'd be a great goal with, with some of the guys. Um, yeah. Just talking shop, talking game, talking my experiences and sharing it with people and just growing, growing the game is really what I want to do. So I'm just in that mode right now, just in that transition mode to stay in the game somehow, you know, and just talk about baseball and life, man, and just chill and enjoy retirement. That's really where I'm at. And travel. Well, we
0: should talk then because if you're, if you want to do that, I've been doing this for a pretty long time. I can absolutely help you out.
2: Yeah, brother. I mean, I'm. I would love to sit down and chat and absolutely work out. i would be so sick. The I'm, more I'm, I'm actually the sitting more I down. Get on, the better, you know what I'm saying. The more reps I can get, absolutely. The more
0: fluid. I, I, we're actually we we had Jock Jones on the show um, about a week and a half ago, and Jock is fantastic. We've been talking off air and. Uh, Jock wants to come to New York. I want to show him around Long Island. He's never really been here. You know, he's been here, but he's never got to to get a chance to check out the wineries out here. But Jock was really, really nice, and he's a cool dude. So, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk off air. Absolutely, man. And uh, keep up the good work, my friend. And uh, listen, enjoy your retirement, my friend. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. There you go. Uh, We were just talking to free agent infielder Devin Morero. He's fantastic, Uh, he's retired. And he's enjoying his retirement. He's got a girlfriend, ladies. So for all the ladies out there sending us messages right now, he is not single. So just so you know. Anyways, it's been a great show, Speedy. It really has. I, uh, Devin is fantastic. He, oh, yeah. And we, you know, we went off set. We, di- we didn't even, it was like a oh, it was conversation. Was yeah. It was a conversation. And, and he's a nice guy. And, and, and listen. 7 8 years in the major leagues that's a, that's a long career and and honestly playing with some of the great players and the great teams that he's played for is fantastic and and to me just playing professional sports is, is something amazing. If you get get a chance to step on a field every single week and get paid to do that, it's it's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. It a, lot, really a lot of the teams that he was on, too, the the Diamondbacks with these younger guys when they were younger, too, some of them probably were in the minors, too, this World Series team, oh, and the man. Red Sox, like he was saying, like a Sorry, lot of those Carl. guys.
0: Sorry, Carl. I, I didn't read that in time. But um, what What did he write? For example, I was always able to get most out of the high school pitchers, but how do you do...
1: What does he say? His first question was, "What does a good oh. pitching coach bring to the table?" But Carl, he wasn't. He was a hitter. He, Devin Marrero was an infielder. Mm. He played uh, second base, third base, and shortstop. Mm. He wasn't a pitcher. We had a we had Shane Green on last week It was a pitcher.
0: I remember okay. him on the Mets.
1: Yeah, I remember him on the Mets, too. He had six at-bats because everyone was hurt. Like, besides Lindor and I think Escobar was hurt. I think McNeil was healthy. But, like, every other infielder was hurt. I so, did
0: remember him yeah. on the Mets. Was, I don't know if I remember him on the Red Sox.
1: I do remember him briefly on the Red Sox. I think he said, like, 16 and 17 because like, – <clears throat> He was saying like he, he didn't play a lot because of Pedroia. Obviously, they had Bogarts, they had all these infielders that were there, so he mm. didn't get a lot of playing time with them. But I kind I briefly remember him in sixteen and seventeen. But yeah, I definitely remember him with the Mets playing when everyone else was hurt. Uh,
0: I do remember him on Arizona. I, I did get a chance to, to see him, but I I to me Devin was fantastic, and 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 to me it was it was an interview where we kind of just hung out and and and. And you know, shoot, you know, shoot some questions and throw, you know, throw some curveballs. But uh, I was happy, and uh, he, we had his opinion about Yamamoto. He, yep. he watched him, and 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 I think I, I disagree with him. I think one of the New York teams are going to land him. I, that's what I think, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a New York fan or or any of that. I just have this feeling that either the Yankees or the Mets are going to win the bid for him. I think more than likely the Mets, but I think the Yankees are going to put all their eggs in that basket, like Otani. Um, and we'll see where it lands. I, I mean, it's the Yankees. So I'm sure Yamamoto knows that the Yankees are uh, um, the the pinstripes. It, it playing in New York is something special. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Yamamoto. But anyways, uh, great interview. He re- he was fantastic. Uh, uh, the Diamondbacks will face the Rangers in 2023 World Series. Only the third time in MLB history that the two wildcard teams will face each other in the World Series. Both the Diamondbacks and the Rangers lost 100 games in 2021 season. Only four other teams in the last 100 years have made the World Series after a 100-loss season. The Diamondbacks only won 84 games during the regular season, the third lowest by a World Series representative. Bruce Bochi becomes the first manager in MLB history to make the World Series with three different teams. Bochi also becomes the first manager to make the World Series over 20 20 years removed from his first appearance, which was the Padres in 1998. Dusty Baker also mentioned after the Astros lost the Game 7 to the Rangers that he will be retiring as manager. Dusty had 2,183 wins as a manager in his career, seventh most in MLB history. I want to say something about Dusty Baker first before we get into the World Series, because there's a lot to talk about with that. Dusty Baker has been a part of baseball. He was baseball. He is baseball for over 50 years. It's unbelievable how long he has been a manager in baseball. And finally, to win a World Series like he did last year was special. I do not like the Astros. I don't like that organization. I don't like the things that they have done in the past.
1: I always like Dusty Baker. Mm-hmm. Always like Dusty Baker. And he was a player, too. He played for a long time, too, yes. and was a good player. Yes. So, like Carl's saying in the comment section, of baseball lifer. Like he's one of those guys that made an impact on and off the field, both as a player and as a manager, too. Five different teams. He made the World Series with the Giants in 0-2. It took him a while to get back, but had a lot of good runs with the Cubs and the Reds and a lot of a lot of these other good teams. And I'll be honest, in 2019 when they hired him after they lost to the nationals in the World Series, great I, hire. but I them. didn't think it was gonna work because no. he was like, oh, old school manager but an analytic driven team. I didn't think it would work, but he brought a lot of stability and all the players love him and you could see why Players like the, uh, the players like Altuve and Bregman look up to somebody like Dusty Baker. Losing AJ Hinch the way they did after the cheating scandal, he brought some stability to that organization, and good for him for winning a World Series. And he's been
0: so. a he's been a face of that organization since he's taken over that oh, team. Yeah. When, when everybody was talking about Altuve and all these other guys, and and they were trying to mix it up, they were trying to get rid of these old pieces and bring in the new pieces and and start over. Dusty Baker really stamped his name, stamped his game to that team, and it's interesting who they're going to bring in Now that Dusty Baker's gone, there's quite a few managers that could be available that might be interested in the position, that should be interested in the position because it's a good young team that has a lot of talent there. But I was surprised when Dusty Baker came out and said that he was walking away from baseball, especially when he's been a a part of an organization that's won significant, you know, has won two championships in the last, what, seven, eight years? Right. And it's made the ALCS every
1: year for the last seven years.
0: And probably was one of their better rosters this year. So. Mm I, I was very surprised when he said it, but Dusty is an older you know manager he's been in the league uh, for a very long time he's he 's over eighty years old he, he has grandchildren hes I remember he was saying that he has a ton of grandchildren and, right. and he wants to spend time with his children and when you're when you're a part of a baseball team and 162 games in a season, you have to travel. You don't get a chance to see your kids. You don't get a chance to see your grandchildren. You don't get a chance to see your wife. So Dusty <sighs> has put you know his life you know into baseball, and oh, yeah. and that's something that's special about Dusty. I uh, I think when when you look at Dusty Baker, and he should go to the Hall of Fame. He's and he will go to the Hall of Fame. I hopefully when he's alive, I. I I think when you look at guys like Bruce and you try to compare and contrast what Bochy has done in a time that he's done as a manager, and you look at Dusty. He, Dusty has never done what Bochi has done as, as far as championships is concerned. But Bochy, Bruce Bochy is one of the most respected managers in baseball. And when when the Rangers somehow plied him out of retirement, I was surprised about that. When Dusty Baker took over this Astros team, I knew it was going to be a good hire for that team because he give, he gave them a different outlook to to the game. I mean, he is an old-fashioned type of guy and for the years that they were as good as they were, they played that old that new school baseball. He transitioned it and it worked. And and I think that Dusty Baker's Dusty Baker will go down as one of the best managers of all time, uh, one of the lifer's of baseball and one of the Spectators, the the faces of the game of baseball, mm-hmm.
1: and absolutely. When you look at the teams that he's managed too, like he had to bring them a lot from like a lot of these darker times of their history too. When you're starting with the Giants too, like the Giants from the '80s and the '90s were really bad, except for the '89 World Series, and that team went to the World Series in 2002. It stayed really good for a while too. Car- Carl's mentioning in the comments the nope. Cubs, obviously he was there, yeah, you know, right. robbed of a World Series potentially with the whole Steve Bartman thing, yeah. And then he had they had good teams in 07 and 08 too. They went to the NLCS one of those years, and the Reds too. The Reds were really bad after their 1990 World Series for a while as well, and they made the playoffs a lot with him there too, and the Astros trying to dig them out of the whole cheating scandal too. There's a lot of pressure to be able to do that kind of thing. They made the ALCS as a wild card in the COVID shortened season in 2020. They lost against the Rays, and then they made the World Series each of the last two years. They won this a second time, and you're right. He's one of those guys that's adaptable to anything, all player types, all city types, one of the greatest figures in baseball, both as a manager and as a player as well.
0: Now let's get into the World Series, which I'm going to be excited to watch because Texas and Arizona were not expected to be here. Texas, who was a team last year that was one of the worst teams in baseball. They had over 100 losses. They bring in Bo- uh, Bruce Bochy in the offseason. Everybody was questioning. They bring in some free agents. They make moves. They bring in uh, Jacob DeGrom. They lost him before the season really even started. I mean, he pitched well, how many games? He like was gone. And that was he was gone, and they make a trade for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, when, when you talk about some of the guys that they brought in at the trade deadline and everything— there were a lot of questions to this team. And and, and and Garcia, what he did throughout the season, He being that he was 30 years old, he's been in a league for quite a few years and, and really break out this season with Bruce uh, Bruce Bochy and, and everything like that. It was amazing to watch. And then Corey Seager having the season that he had. And Marcus Simeon, who had a bad season last year, played better this year. This roster started to fall together in the second half of the season, got really, really hot. And then squeaked into the playoffs and just made a run. Really, it, it was amazing what they did, knocking off the the Tampa Bay Rays the way they did, and then beating the Baltimore Orioles. It was sensational. And then going against the, I think they had the hardest way to the World Series in a very long time. I've oh, never yeah, 100%. seen. If, if you look at the way, the, when you look at the the teams and the rosters, they had to go through to get to the World Series. Absolutely amazing. And it says a lot about Bruce Bochy. It really does, Speedy. Because of who he is and what he has done. This guy has won everywhere he's gone. Everywhere he's gone, he's won. And that's what makes him one of the best managers we've ever seen. And one of the winningest managers we've ever seen. If he wins a World Series... With this Texas Rangers team, who's never won a World Series and has been there quite a few times and never got over the hump. If he does that, he could go down as one of the greatest managers to ever manage in baseball history. Yeah,
1: the Giants beat them in 2010 with Bruce Bochy. And that team was completely different than this Rangers team that's built a lot more with the offense, too. And the Rangers, when it comes to their pattern, the way they built their team, they were making a lot of the same... They were doing a lot of the same trends they had that didn't work in previous years, too. they brought in all these free agent pitchers in the past, too, that did not work. They had these prospects come up right away, a lot earlier or later than expected, and a lot of them did not pan out. And they were top prospects. And these guys that weren't as much top prospects, probably besides Garcia at the time, he was, I think, Rookie of the Year runner-up in 2020. But you're right, he came up at 26 years old and... Now 30 years old. I didn't realize he was actually designated for assignment in 2000, 2000, 2021, but nobody brought him in after that. And so he ended up coming back to the Rangers, too. So those stories are incredible. Then you look at somebody like Jonah Heim, an offensive catcher spark this year, Roaldish Chapman. Yeah. Heim was a guy that was, I think, a 28-year-old rookie two years ago who was only a good defensive guy. Now he's hitting. Josh Young. The uh, way he hit this He's year was...
0: fantastic. He's a great young player they have. I mean, this roster is good, and their farm system's even better. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a loaded team. And Bruce Bochy, this isn't going to be the first time he goes here. I'm telling you this right now. If Bruce Bochy decides to stay here for five or six years, and he could. I mean, he's not 80 years old right. like Dusty Baker. And I didn't think Bruce Bochy was coming back to baseball because no, he left. Either. he left the Giants and, and there were a lot of questions on why he left because they were still winning. They were still uh, a competitive team. Why did he part ways with them? Maybe he just didn't think that the roster was going to move any further than where it was. He retires and he steps down from baseball and then all of a sudden, what, two years and he takes this Texas Ranger job. There was a lot of questions when he took this job. One, this team lost 100 games last year. Right. They weren't a good team. The Corey Seeker <laughs> and the, the Marcus Simeon uh, signing, a lot of people questioned uh, giving Corey Seeker 300 Oh, million yeah. dollars in eight years
1: for somebody that injury prone
0: and marcus Simeon, a guy that made 250 260 million you gave two players 500 million dollars and they, did, they didn't seeker had a decent season last year but marcus simians was t- horrible yeah and then and then some of the rosters that they've some of the team the, the players that they added in the offseason the jacob DeGroms, that falling apart then you bring in max scherzer that falling apart there were so many things that happened to this roster all
1: season long but bruce Bochy found a way to get this team over the hump Right. And you look at some of the other pitchers they brought in in the past that were good with other teams and it just, just did not work with the Rangers, too. Bochy was able to find ways to make it fit, fit with his way of philosophy that he came from San Francisco where they had so many good pitchers for a while. Even when they lost Lincecum and Kane, they still were steady with great pitching for a while. With Bumgarner, they rebirthed Johnny Cueto for a while, too, and he was kind of up and down. And the Giants, I think the reason they ended up falling out was just more of the big contracts and the fact that that core got old. But Bochi's system was still ended up being working to be competitive, because like you were saying, his last year in 2019, the Giants almost made the playoffs. They were in a wild card rush with the Mets, the Diamondbacks, or a lot of teams that got hot in the second half. The Brewers ended up holding on, but he didn't lose anything with the pulse of the game, too. And like we were saying with Dusty Baker, he evolves with the types of teams. This Texas Rangers team is the most loaded offensive team he's played with, even more than what he was with the Giants. Now, the pitching wasn't as the same as the Giants, but he was able to adapt to get those kind of things to work, and here they are in the World Series. Uh, and that's, that's
0: the great thing about Baseball is you don't expect certain teams. Hockey and baseball, there's so many questions of what happens going through that obstacle. You, with hockey, you got to go through seven game series yep. all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, and you don't know what goalie gets hot. You don't know what player gets hot. Uh, look at the Florida Panthers. Did anybody think the Florida Panthers were going to the Stanley Cup Finals the way they did? Nobody did. But that's that was what that's what makes hockey so amazing to watch in the playoffs, and that's why they say hockey's the best to watch when it comes to playoffs. The same right. thing with baseball. You don't expect stuff like this, but again, we've seen this before. There are so many good teams for years. The Yankees had some. Of the best rosters, and they fall apart throughout the playoffs. They lose in the first round. They lose in the wild card game. They lose in the ALCS. They can't get over the hump. Why? Because they don't have specific things that teams look for when it comes to the playoffs. Good defense in the infield. Good pitching. Good uh, bullpen. You know, bullpen doesn't wear out throughout the regular season. That's something that we've seen, especially with the Texas Rangers. What we noticed, what I noticed about the Texas Rangers in the second half, the moves that they made in the second half didn't fully work. But here's the thing. Even though they didn't work, the players that they had on the roster, they filled in those spots and they played better. And that has a lot to do with managing. And if 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 you have a good manager and you have a manager that understands the game of baseball and understands how to – To pull the right plot and put put the right pieces in the right places, it's like chess. If if, that's what makes Bruce Bochy so special,
1: right? You can micromanage in the postseason too, from an analytic stat, a split that could work in your favor too. You look at somebody like Josh Spores, a relief pitcher that had a five ERA in the regular season, and he's been one of their best relief pitchers in the playoffs. Somebody like Dane Dunning, who's a hybrid starter reliever that Bruce Bochy, I think, besides Game Three against the Astros. He's used, and he's used very well so far in this postseason. And like you're saying, the rebirth of these starting pitchers, too. Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Avaldi coming over. You had John Gray in the regular season that was a good asset for them, too. A guy that was pretty bad in Colorado the last three years before that. And they make it work with that kind of philosophy. Whatever the analytics are, but also the combined of what the Giants used a lot of the old school tactics with their pitching as well, and some of the tactics with their hitting too. The Rangers did not have to rely on the home run ball, and like Darren Marrero was saying, like teams that rely too much on the home run ball, it'll eventually steam out, like what happened with the Phillies. And the Rangers did not have to do that; they were still able to get doubles. They were still they stole a lot of bases, which is not their thing in Game Seven because they knew Christian Javier couldn't hold guys on. How
0: and about it, how about Evan Longoria going 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 back oh, to yeah. the World Series? Something that I, I I would I never would have thought in my wildest dreams. But I would hear Evan Lagoria go to a World Series again. And yep. and with all the years that he went to the race, never get over the hump. Maybe he has a chance to actually win a World Series with an Arizona team where he's like, what, 37, 38 years old? He's on the oh, tail yeah. end of his career. So that's an amazing st- statement. And 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 Evan Lagoria has been one of the leaders of this team, has really pushed this team and, and pushed it, you know, pushed him to that next level. And Tommy Pham, who came from the Mets, who played okay with the Mets and comes over here and gets hot in the second half of the season. Another leader of this team. So this Arizona Diamondback team has been very special, and Gorial hitting the way he has in the playoffs, his brother coming from the Astros. Some people thought we were going to see both brothers play against one another in, in the World Series. That didn't turn out to be. So it's, it's really been fantastic to watch, and that's what I love about baseball is when you get a chance to see, I'm going to watch every single game of the World Series because I don't know what to expect in this series. I expect Texas to come out the winner in six, like, like like Carl says, I, I think Texas are, is the better team, but who's to say that Arizona can't win?
1: Yeah, again, this is going to be a series that's very interesting too because both guys, both teams are very similarly structured but also similarly creative with what they've done too. The Diamondbacks did it a little differently with the younger pitchers when it comes to bringing them up and using them out of the bullpen too. Something I've encouraged that the Yankees had done in previous postseasons. They didn't do enough. <clears throat> Something I've encouraged that the Astros have done in years past too that worked and they did it with Brandon Fott, who was a top-20 prospect in all the baseball. They used him out of the bullpen to start against the Dodgers. And then the last two games, he pitched, as a starter, he pitched very well in Game 7 and in Game 3. And then Jordan Lawler, top-10 prospect in baseball, brought him up at the end of the year. Good stolen base guy to go along with the other young players that they have. But like you said, Evan Longoria, these other types of veterans stabilizing this team really helped them. And Longoria, he knows how, how that worked with the Rays. He was a rookie in 2008 when they went to the World Series as a wild card.
0: This is ridiculous. Watching this game, uh, the, 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 the Knicks were up by seven points, and they're flopping around. You see the Boston Celtics flopping around right now, and they're going to come back and they're going to win the game. And the referees are just giving the game away to the Boston Celtics. I, I this is the problem with basketball: this flopping thing. Call a technical. If you're watching these guys flop, call a technical foul. I mean, last year we how many times did they call a technical foul, foul on somebody that was flopping when they should have done it all season long? Porzingis just flopped. Okay, he flopped. Nobody even touched him. And they called a foul. All right? This is, this is the problem with this game of basketball. They were just up by seven points with, what, four minutes left? Now they're up by, what, three points? And then Boston's going to win this game because of the referees. They're just they're horrible. That And I, everybody says, oh, dude, stop saying the referees. It's true. Watch the game. Watch the game.
1: Back, I don't know what anybody's watching. Going back to the Diamondbacks, though, you look at a young team that is also very athletic, too. They're the perfect team if you want to look at how to build a team, a team that's rebuilding. That's the mold you want to build it on, especially these newer rules too. And I'm curious to see how aggressive they'll be on the base paths too, against these older Rangers pitchers too. Nathan avaldi Max Scherzer, and uh, and John Gray, if he ends up pitching, and then Jordan Montgomery. These are all older pitchers. I think Montgomery's the youngest one, and I think he's thirty. And are they going to be able to hold on the base runners with this team's speed that the Diamondbacks have, too? Now, the Rangers don't steal a lot, but they, you saw at the end of the series against the Astros. They did it when yeah. they had to, to.
0: Porzingis flops again. He flops again. Thank God they didn't call foul on that again. All he does is flops. I, it's, it's horrible. I, I I know we're talking about baseball but watching this game I'm watching the last 2 minutes of this game it's despicable what the referees are sitting here and letting go on in this game it's just
1: it's absolutely despicable and but, and, the, and the back end of the the bullpen for the Diamondbacks too has an upgrade over the Rangers but the depth of the Diamondbacks was something that I wasn't sure if they would be able to hold in the playoffs. So they've done that so far. So it'll be interesting to see, like you are saying, the chess game that Bruce Bochy and Torrey Lavella will both play. And I think Torrey Lavello's done a lot of the same concepts that Bochy has done, too, over the years, too, with a lot of these pitchers coming out of the at different spots, too. And he's not afraid to use his best pitcher, even if it's not the ninth inning or anything like that, too, which is something that's going to be essential in this series. And I, I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Rangers in six. I think if it goes to a seventh game, it'll be Arizona, but I'm going to go Rangers and six. I
0: think this is going to be a fun series. I think it goes six games. I, I can't see Arizona taking this seven games. I, I do believe that Texas is a lot better than Philadelphia. They've played a lot better in this series. They have more depth. I I don't. I, I hope that Texas don't try to put Max Scherzer on the mound twice <laughs> in this series. If you're going to put him on, you put him on once and, and hope that he can pitch two or three innings if he can. If he could pitch for two or three innings, then and you can get enough out of him for two or three innings, good. I, Texas made a big mistake bringing Max Scherzer. I, I've said it already. I told Met fans it was a big mistake bringing him in, and I know now all of a sudden Met fans are throwing him, and they're all happy that Max Scherzer is failing. But if Max Scherzer somehow wins a World Series with this Texas Ranger team and he has nothing to do with it, uh, it to me it just makes me laugh about all the Met fans that said that, they're, and they're praying that this guy
1: fails. Well, the, the Mets are not gonna. The, the Mets fans are not gonna have, be happy anyway because I'll, it's either gonna be Max Scherzer or. Paul Paul Seawald that wins the World Series. Paul Seawald was a pretty bad Met as well, and now he's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. But then you got Paul Seawald, you got Tommy Pham, and then you also got Miguel Castro in that uh, Arizona bullpen as well versus Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom and... Off the bench, Travis Jankowski, who was briefly yes. about as well.
0: And then again, I want to see Jordan Montgomery, who's been one of the hottest pitchers in baseball. He really is. And he is going to be a big name that everybody's going to be talking about in the offseason. He's going to be available. He's not signing back with Texas. Texas is probably going to let him go. There are teams. I've heard the Yankees are, are interested in bringing him back. I've heard a ton of teams. I could see the Mets bringing him in if they, they, they fail on Yamamoto. There are teams that are going to be interested in a guy like him because he's pitched very well in the playoffs. With the Yankees, he was the Yankees' best playoff pitcher of when he was there and he's pitched so well with Texas i think his ERA is like you know 1.62 or something like that he's been dominant and and to me he's been I I fully believe he's been the MVP of this Texas Ranger team.
1: Yeah, they've needed him, too, against uh, the the Astros lineup, especially that has top-end lefties with Tucker and Alvarez, too. And they're going to need that kind of thing against Corbin Carroll and this Diamondbacks team that have a lot of right-handed hitters that have good splits against lefties, too. So that's going to be a big key to get a lot of efficiency out of him. Now, Jordan Montgomery's never been a massive length guy, but we even see him go further in the game in Game 1 against the Astros, too. So it's definitely something that Bochy can utilize if that's the same case. Same kind of thing with Ivaldi, too. Ivaldi's been good for length in the past, too, but he's also been good out of the bullpen sometimes as a three-inning type guy if they need him later in the series, too. So I'm curious. He obviously pitched two starts, but I'm curious if it goes to a Game 7 if they'll end up doing that, and that's the creativity that Bochy utilized very well with the Giants, especially in 2014 against the Royals where they didn't have the same level of pitching stuff like Lincecum and Kane.
0: I'm watching this, and did the Knicks get the foul? I don't even know because I can't hear it, but they better. I mean, the whole game has been a flop nation, it really has been, and and I'm not going to say that the Knicks don't flop. They have Julius Randle; he's a flopping machine. But uh, to yeah. watch to watch this game and watch how many people are flopping around, and and how the referees don't see it. How do they not see it? It's it, it, to me, it's absolute appalling. But. I, this is going to be a good series. I think it's going to be wide open. And and I expect a lot of home runs in this series. As much as we've right. seen good pitching, I could see a lot of home runs. I think Garcia has been the hottest hitter in the Tex, on the Texas Rangers roster. I was speaking to Josh about it, and, and Josh was like, oh, he's, he's overrated. He's this, he's that. And I said, watch. He'll, he'll be the big factor in game number seven. He was. He was the big factor. <laughs> Get the two home, two home runs. I mean, I think he's the first player in history to do what he did in a game number seven. Yeah, so, they fired him. Up
1: by uh, hit by the pitch, and he struck out three times after that. But then uh, he went on a home run tear. So maybe they shouldn't have triggered um, Mr. Brian Abreu on the Astros hitting him in a pitch in the eighth inning to cause cause, uh, cause that brawl. Yes, Carl, the Cubs could get credit to the Diamondbacks making the World Series for collapsing.
0: When you look at what is going on in basketball right now, I I've been watching some of the games uh, during the show, and, and and to me the the two things that have stuck out to me so far in. The last two the two, last two days of basketball, the first two two days of ba- the basketball season is flopping, and the NBA started to to give these guys technical fouls if they catch them flopping. This game has been nothing but flopping, and they're practically to me the Knicks. The, the referees gave this game away. I, if, if Boston wins this game, it's because of the referees. I, I'm telling you right now. Watch this game. Watch the four the four minutes four minutes left of the game. They've practically given given the game to Boston. Given the game to Boston.
1: Carl said they missed the tech. So yeah, there, it seems like that they're giving them they're giving the game They tied the game now with the two free throws. So so yeah, maybe. Uh, Carl says Brunson blowing it. As well, I'm. I mean, I'm watching the game. I, I don't see if I, I don't see Brunson blowing. I,
0: I, I mean, the Knicks were up by seven. I guess he, he missed a layup and all that other stuff, but it's not. It's one play doesn't cat You know, cost the game. I, well, I mean, unless you're Julius Randle and miss five times in the final minute. I mean, the, the, the Knicks are and now Porzingis hits a deep three. Of course he does. It's a big t- t- and, and the Knicks are going to lose this game. Yeah.
1: They're okay. going
0: to lose this game.
1: Fitting that it has to be Porzingis. And
0: now you have R.J. Barrett shooting a three, and he can't hit for crap. So the game's over. So uh, great. The Knicks had a seven point lead with three minutes and 51 seconds left of the game, and they choked.
1: And of course, it's Porzingis at MSG, no
0: less. Yeah, well, Porzingis wanted to buy the, you know, wanted to a
1: piece of the team. Here's it again. Right here. Boom. Game over. Maybe Christoph Porzingis should retire and then buy the team once James Dolan sells it. It's horrible. It, this, this, and
0: again, everybody keeps saying, "Oh, the referees, the referees." Yeah, this, this game was the referees. They, the referees gave this game away. They gave this game away, and I hate it. I hate watching these games because you have guys like Jason Tatum, you have guys like Jalen Brown. They're great players. There's no question. You have guys. You have, and you know the Celtics have the more talented team. Oh, of course, uh, but. And you, you see the Knicks like squeaking and, and, and trying to get points and stuff like that. And, they, and by the way, the Knicks haven't hit a shot in two minutes. All right. Yeah. Uh, but that has a lot to do with the, the play calling. And, 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 with me, it's all pace. Basketball is about the pace of the game. Which the Knicks were
1: slower, slower you know, last year in pace. I think and they were 24th why, or something. And,
0: and why aren't they giving the ball to Emmanuel quickly? He's been one of the hottest shooters on this team.
1: Yeah. At least for an open shot, it was like a catch-and-shoot type thing. You would think they would be more creative. But, of course, it's Mr. Bricklayer who hopefully can hit his free throws down the stretch, which was a big issue for him last year, too.
0: Yeah. Well, again... I don't think the Knicks are gonna win this game. they they've given it they've given Boston a
1: chance to come back in the game and you can see the difference in this game. Carl says Randall will make one of two at the line. Well he made the first one, so if he misses the second one, you'll be right. He Carl, might be right. Hopefully that Poor
0: of score of course scores twenty eight points. Yep, he was Carl, right. You called it Carl.
2: You
1: called
0: Randall it Randall stinks. Okay. We all know that he stinks. Julius oh, yeah. Randall is is a horrible player, and and we all know he can't hit a big shot. He's never hit a big shot. Especially clutch free throws. He can't hit a big shot. And 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 to me, he's always trying to find an excuse behind it when he's not playing well. Oh, know, of course. The team's not playing well. This is not, this is not.
1: What are you going to do? That's not a the foul. Bus?
0: That's flop. This is ridiculous. Porzingis, you can't touch Porzingis and you flop. He, you can't touch him and he flops. Watch it. it it's just, it, this is a flop nation. This is why I hate basketball. Look at this. Ready? Watch. He flops. Mm -hmm. How is that not flopping? Drama.
1: Drama, drama.
0: How is that not flopping? I don't understand it.
1: I I hope all the Knicks fans are booing him right now. It's absolute flop nation. For this team, Speaking of booing, I wonder if Julius Randle will try to trigger the Knicks fans to boo him, like Evan Neal triggered the Giants fans to boo him more too. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, I can't stand watching basketball in the
0: regular season. I really can't. Carl also says Tatum travel before that. It's too. ridiculous. Mm. It, it's ridiculous. There's always a fishy one. They're too. getting all the calls in this game. The Knicks are home, and Boston are getting all the calls.
1: That's how Carl. That's always been a fishy one too. I think NBA players get away with traveling a lot more than people think. So there's a lot. I don't of know why
0: Jalen though. Brunson's holding the ball this long and. Uh, this is the problem. There we go. Quickly, and he yeah, misses. It.
1: Offensive board. Hartenstein puts it back. Seventeen point five. They're going to have to foul. Yeah, they're going to have to hope that Tatum misses a free throw. Nope, it's not going to be Tatum. Maybe foul him. What are you doing? Yep, and they wasted three seconds.
0: Foul him. What? I don't. I, I, I. don't understand. They. The Knicks lost this game because of just absolute flopping. So, for all the fans out there that are watching the game, shame on you watching this crappy game. How do you how do you lose a game when you had seven point lead with three minutes and fifty one seconds left of the game?
1: Welcome to the Kristaps Porzingis school of flopping. Uh, and he says it travels again. Yeah, that, that one was definitely fishy because he had a double team on him trying to break the press. But.
0: but this is the NBA; it's all about traveling. I mean, LeBron James is the king of traveling. So is James Harden. Oh
1: yeah, James and James Harden is also the king of getting away with the Euro step all the time too. And of course, Chris Kristaps Porzingis is the player of the game. Why not? Because he's the king of flopping. Just rub it in more,
0: MSG. Well, where's ESPN. Jeff? Where's ESPN. Jeff on that? Where's Jeff on that? But it, it's just—it's horrible. I, I, I can't—I can't stand watching regular season basketball because of this. Don't worry; at least we love college basketball soon. You can watch well, that. that. I, I'd rather watch that. I mean. You can I, watch your, your favorite coach, John Shire. And, and by the way, my favorite coach. <laughs> who got an extension, by the way. Yep. Your favorite. Carl's favorite coach. Carl's favorite coach, because he actually coached him. Yep. All right.
1: <laughs> Carl, Carl, will be more Carl with you should reach out you. to him.
0: Carl, you should reach out to him and, and see if he'll take you out to dinner after the contract he just got. <laughs> He should. <laughs> Carl be more of a Duke fan than you because of that. Even though, no, I don't, even though I don't think Carl's actually a Duke fan. I am an I am a Duke fan. I'll always be a Duke fan. Not because of Shire. I'm a, I'm a Coach K fan, but. I grew up a Duke fan and I'll always be a Duke fan. I don't care who's coaching my team. Uh Shire with the extension. Yes, Carl. Yes. I know you're happy. You're jumping for joy. He should be taking you out to dinner because you've been preaching him
1: all two years of it. Just to just to coach 51 points in an NCAA tournament. Oh
0: man. I can they get him on the show Tennessee. for you. You could get yeah, get out of here, Carl. You can't get him on the show. Stop it, Carl. Carl, stop it. You can't get him on the show. I Carl, if you could get him on the show. I'll be. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll take you and your your family out to dinner. All right. I will come down to Florida and take you out to a steak dinner. How's that sound? Hey, that's fair. I mean, I. I think that's that's uh, very fair. I'll take you guys
1: out to a nice steak dinner. Why not Tampa? Is that where Carl lives? I think so. We're right outside of Tampa. Mm. Carl, Carl confirmed that for sure. But I think it was that area.
0: I mean, all right. So when I when I go and visit uh, Brittany's father, we'll we'll. We'll take him out to dinner. I'll take him and his family out to dinner. Mm-hmm. If he can get Shire on the show. Oh, yeah. That'll be interesting. That would definitely be interesting for sure. I mean, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but I'm going to tell him. I was going to say. You wouldn't be that's my. That's going to be a little you awkward. Would, you wouldn't have been my pick to be the coach of my Blue Devils.
1: <laughs> it's basically the same thing as if, if, if somehow we got Eli Apple on the show. South of Tampa. Hold it
0: in. He's south of South Tampa. of Tampa. All okay. right. So, so I could take him out to dinner. Why not?
1: Carl, if you can get him on the show, I'll take you and your family out to a nice steak dinner. John, Shire. yeah, why not? Yep, no, that, that, that definitely would be the case. We we've had uh, we had the FDU coach on our show, Tobin Anderson, who was very good. Fantastic, Iona, fantastic, and uh, the 16 seed that upset uh, Stewart Schweigert's Purdue Boilermakers, and he wasn't too happy about that. No, he wasn't, <laughs> but he decided to be more pissed off at Jeff for that. We had him on the show. That was oh, funny. look at Doc Rivers; he's now analyzing
0: oh. things. Oh God! Nick Legend, Doc Rivers. What did ESPN hire him after firing Jeff Van Gundy? Who's he working for now? Oh, I know the Celtics. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I did, I did see that.
1: Maybe Doc Rivers will broadcast for a year. They'll oh. go back to coaching the Clippers
0: again. Boy, oh boy, do I hate, do I hate the Boston Celtics? And now they take one of my coaches. <laughs>
1: Maybe Doc Rivers will go back to the Nixon organization. Please catch. don't.
0: And they can trained for each other. I do not want Doc. Rivers as my head coach. Nope. I, I want to stay far, far away from him.
1: No, I, I would too, but maybe But Tom an Thibodeau and control. him are like
0: best friends. So that, there's quite possibly, that po- quite possibly could happen.
1: Maybe Tom Thibodeau and Doc Rivers can get courtside seats uh, when James Dolan sells the team and somebody else owns it.
0: That's true too. And now that the, the Celtics, maybe they miss, a free throw here, and maybe the Knicks get lucky and toss up a three. I yeah, don't. they
1: have. A, it looks like Pritchard on the line shooting the free throws. He's a good three. He's, he's a, a good, good free, free, free throw, free throw shooter. Yes, the,
0: all of the guys on the court are good free throw shooters.
1: Yeah, seventy five percent last year, which is a little above the league average. But maybe he will miss one. Maybe the Knicks will get thrown a bone. No. But it's the Knicks, so they probably won't get thrown a bone. Oh, they
0: haven't gotten thrown a bone in this game. I mean, they're in the fourth quarter, and they're getting no calls. No calls by the referees. But, hey, guess what? And that's what Jeff will say. we well, wheeze. It is the referees in this game.
1: I don't know what anybody's yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. Jeff is the same person who was complaining with the I Patriots don't know what Chiefs he's watching. game yeah, four well, years ago.
0: Jeff needs to stop, okay? I I, I let him come back. I've, I freed him. He's not in... What are they, jail or or hostage or whatever they said? I've given him an opportunity to come back, and every single time he's come into the scope, he's said something derogatory. He is to me, unprofessional and, and not nice of a person. So, to, Why would I sit here and, and go back and forth? As a matter of fact, I, I don't even pay attention to some of the things that he, he posts up. I think he's an That's idiot. we have
1: Carl. Carl is the stable. I
0: like <laughs> Carl because Carl actually speaks he, he's a sports fan, he's a fanatic, he listens to the show, and he interacts <laughs> with us. That's what, you, the whole point of coming on here, and we only look at the Facebook. We don't look at YouTube, we don't look at TikTok, we don't listen, look at any of the stuff that we post the show on. We're on, what, 26 platforms, 25 platforms Whatever platforms we're on, we don't go on there and we don't do any of that. But we look at the Facebook and we tell people, if you want to talk to us and you want to be a part of the show, go on Facebook if you don't want to call the show. And Carl actually does that. No no matter what. The argument, his arguments vary. And I respect him. Even though sometimes I'm going to argue back with him.
1: Forever on John Shire. Until he proves otherwise.
0: Well, when John Shire wins a national championship, then we can talk. I don't think he's ever gonna win a national championship with Duke. That's Maybe. just my opinion. And and to me, uh, I do believe Coach K is still working with the organization, the 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 team, and I think he is helping to recruit players. Yeah. But yeah uh, that still doesn't sell me John Shire.
1: Okay? Yeah, he definitely has some recruiting prowess if they're still gonna get hundred the percent. They're, they're getting the, yeah. they get
0: they have the top recruiting class again this year. Right. And I would have dan- obviously brought in Danny Hurley or Bobby Hurley. That's the route I would have went. I mean, Duke guys.
1: Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm you, doing. You probably wish it was Danny Hurley. He just won a championship. I,
0: that, I'm bringing in Duke guys. And by the way, the Knicks lose. So congratulations to the first loss of the season.
1: A game that they should have won, by the way. They lost to Christoph Porzingis' flop school. Yes, Carl, I am so John Shireding I am so
0: pissed off at this game. And look at Boston; they're all happy. They're all it's flop nation for all the Boston Celtic fans are excited about this. This was a disgusting floppy game, and and the NBA should be ashamed of themselves. And I can't wait tomorrow coming into the show and talking about this crap. All right, it, it, it's just it's garbage. How do we sit here and watch this garbage? This is this is not basketball. This isn't basketball. For all you crazy, ridiculous fans that think basketball is better now, it is ridiculous. This would have never happened in the 90s. It would have never happened in the 80s. The flop nation, it's just
1: garbage. The Knicks got the calls in the 90s. Who would have thought? No, they didn't. Oh, okay. They still didn't. Sorry. They right. didn't get the calls in the 90s. Yep, the refs against Did the Knicks. Did you watch the Houston series?
2: No, Did you watch
0: the Rockets and the, the Knicks? Ro-
1: the refs against the Knicks. A tale all those time, I guess.
0: Listen, I- I'm going to say this very nicely. The NBA never liked the Knicks. Never, ever liked the Knicks. And, and by the way, Snug, if you don't think that was Flop Nation, then you, I don't know what you were watching because that was an absolute garbage game and, and they should have never won that game. But again, this is the NBA. Anybody that loves watching the NBA, you, know, you can enjoy watching a floppy game of basketball.
1: Carl says, what makes Danny Hurley a Duke guy. And, Snug, you could say the WFL all you
0: want. Watch the game. It has nothing to do with the referees. It has nothing to do with me saying the referees. It has everything to do with what happened in the game. Porzingis was flopping the whole fourth quarter. Flopping. And, by the way, as, as Carl said, Jason Tatum was carrying the ball the whole last three minutes of the game. He carried the ball. He traveled like two, three times. And they never called it because it's Jason Tatum. But, anyways... That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, obviously, to our very uh, special guests, um, obviously free agent infielder and retired infielder Devin Morero. He was fantastic. Thank you for giving us the time. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody. Uh, that tunes in and listens to our show throughout the week and all our network uh, from Game On to the Wise Guys and and the Herd and our betting show. Uh, what, what's our
1: betting show? Sorry? The, the uh,
0: Saturdays in Canada on Thursdays. Saturdays in Canada on Thursdays. So thank you to Chaz and Wes and everybody, all our handicappers. We will have our handicappers in tomorrow for Let's Parlay. Thank you to all the fans. We will tune in uh, to the rest of the basketball Games tonight, and we'll let you know what our thoughts tomorrow on the sports loudmouth. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. Is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.